my wife uh, got a bunch of vinyl and stuff from her mom and it's not organized how I remember it. So I was like, well, fuck, I could look for a half hour and maybe not find it. Yeah, totally. You could. I love vinyl, man. Yeah. I love the way it plays, the way it sounds. A lot of times like I'll pre-order when I pre-order stuff from bands, I'll, uh, you know, try to get, make sure I get the vinyl version. It was funny because it was like a goal of mine forever to have one of my uh, recordings on uh, uh, vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we finally finally had that happen uh, with the Vinicy stuff. And I was just like, oh, my God. You got it on vinyl. Huh? Yeah. Where, where, did you do small batch stuff? Where did um, you guys get it? Our label did it. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, and it was before. Like, I know there's a huge fucking delay now. There's a delay before, but um, it's nothing like it was now. Oh, thank you for doing that. Hey, no problem, man. Yeah, it's probably been like at least six years since I looked at that particular vinyl. We used to listen to it all the time, but it's been kind of uh, relegated to a corner, and it's been a little bit harder to get to mm-hmm. since we haven't been uh, jamming it out as much. Well, that's yeah. I you know when 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 I started this podcast uh, four years ago or something, that was kind of the whole entire point of it was to have musicians come over with music they love, or you know pick music they love. And talk about vinyl. And when the fucking pandy and all that started, um, man, just no more in-studio meetings, you know, no more doing this for a long time. And the vinyl just like, oh, I, didn't, I, I didn't play it forever. Oh, no. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because we, we used to have, like, barbecues at my house, like, huge ones. And... You know, we'd have the vinyl pile there and people would just be, you know, DJ whenever they want, which is freaking great. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many good memories I associate with like Mastodon's Crack the Sky or Ghost's first album or uh, got some Godzilla vinyl, some Machine Head, Behemoth too. Like, oh, yeah. Fuck, man. Some of those, I mean, those albums are fucking great. And then like good memories on top of them. Oh, dude, those will stick with you it, forever. It is. It is. And then the, the kind of beautiful thing about, um, about having something visceral like vinyl or man i mean even cds you know when when discs mans were huge and how old are you uh i will i turn 40 40 later this month well i didn't want to ask 40 damn yeah yeah i'm I'm about to turn 36 (laughs) so you're a few years older than me so um but even you know i mean man we're talking mid 90s cassette tapes were huge you know i Fuck, there's there's a pretty good pile on the next shelf up yeah, of some, some, some cas- priest and Rolling Stone. Oh, I got I got oh, some great boy. cassette tapes, and those are actually oh, probably half of those. And then I have in the chest right there, I got a box full of um, full of cassette tapes. I went, I went all hand recorded. I purged, I purged all my CDs from the house a long time ago, and yeah. then I started piling them back up because I want to support the bands that I like. Oh yeah, you know, like oh, okay, and you know, some of them I listen to, some of most of them I haven't. Um, but, you know, the vinyls definitely get played more than anything else in the house, besides mm-hmm. Spotify, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, they rock that in the car constantly. <sighs> Is, isn't that like the fucking worst double-edged sword? Mm-hmm. Goddamn Spotify. Yeah. I mean, I love it on one hand. On the other hand, it's so interesting because, like, you know, being in a band, I'm sure you struggle with this too, right? You, you're competing not only with, like, Netflix, but also the entire recorded history of music that's out there. Oh, yeah. 100%, yeah. dude. And and so it's like when you go to put something on, like a lot of times I'll have to make a conscious effort to try to go find new stuff or go listen to my buddies because um, I have playlists. And so what I do is I try to make sure I just go add that stuff to the playlist where I listen to a lot of normal things. And yeah, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. And, you know, no, no money from Spotify. I just checked the bank on there and the last, I forget how long it's been since I pulled money out of my DistroKid account, but I want to say I had like 350, 360 this last time. Um, and half of it was from a song that I produced, i.e. I paid for the studio time for this, um, Sanderson sisters thing where it's these three ladies that dress up like the hocus pocus people. <laughs> okay. And, uh, they're, they're so good at it. And they, they were, they had this idea to do a music video and a cover and like, they were kind of like, well, where'd we go to? And so human, um, yep. recorded them and he did a fucking killer job on the track. Uh, but because I put up the money for it, um, and we did the video for free. I'm like, why, why would I do this? But it actually worked out great. And I had such a blast doing it with them because it was so unique. So they covered the song from the movie. And then um, we did a video for it. We had a bunch of kids in it and everything. It was like some of the kids were like such great actors. And like one of them did such a good job at being wow. creepy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but actually make, I want not the most money on that, but like a surprising amount because they when they upload it through DistroKid, they set me as one of the co-authors and DistroKid splits the money. Sure. So I'm like, wow, that's, that's fucking nuts. And, you know, when it first came out, I don't want to say we were like disappointed. We weren't sure how it was going to do, but the plays, it felt like it kind of died at like 10,000. Yeah. And they go check on YouTube and it's got like 200,000 views. I'm like, wow, that's doing just fine. Did great. Yeah. And then Spotify, it's like crushing it on Spotify too. And I'm like, wow, those, those ladies, uh, they kept promoting this entire time. It's been like probably two years since it came out, maybe a year and a half. Or Good something. for them. Actually, it's before the pandemic, so it's closer to three, I guess. What was there? What do you say? There's it's something sisters? The PDX Sanderson sisters. Sanderson sisters. Yeah. Go check that out, everybody. Shout yeah. out to them. I am recording, by the way. We cool. cold opened. Sweet. Um, <laughs> we just so jumped right in. I, dude, but hey, soon, the conversation started great. Well, so. that's what I mean. As soon as... <laughs> You know, it's it's uh, it is one of those fine balancing acts. As someone who wants to be involved in the conversation, but also in the running the show at the same time, um, to to know like how what is the re- what is the relatability between me and my guest going to be? How soon do I need to record? Do I need you know? Sometimes if I know a friend's coming over, like when I had Ben over the last time, I just put the mic on when he was in there because he's so fucking loud yeah. that you can just get everything he does and get all the background talking and uh, he, he does not have a volume button i love the it volume knob. Yeah. i love it shout out to ben you bastard yeah exactly we love you ben it's so funny there was and he's always cranked up to 11 and yeah. we had a day where we were filming a music video and freddie one of the guys that shoots uh with us on like almost everything freddie was having not a bad day but he was stressed we're, we're tr- you know it's always a time crunch and he's just like i'm gonna fucking snap and ben's like oh really and just went after me even more <laughs> And finally, Freddie gave in and broke. And then they hugged it. And uh, after that, Freddie was in a great mood. I'm like, hey, you you snapped Freddie out of the bad mood. Yeah, well, dude, him <laughs> him being up to a, him being turned up all the time um, is actually I find I find refreshing and healthy. Oh, completely. Most of the time, I I am I'm someone who if I fall into a small funk or even just get you know get in the mood of like sitting down and editing for a long time, it's a different energy. You're just like. You tell yourself you're going to sit down for a while. You're not move, and I, I fall into. I find myself easy to fall into that funk, and he will just fucking snap you out of it. Oh, completely. And he's also one of the more most like supportive people I've ever met too. So like he's that type of person. You yeah. you show if you like hang around him at all, you're like, wow, I feel better having hung out with them. Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, not a lot of people are like that. No, you know? and, and the bass player Dave and Ligature Marks was like that too. He's yeah, yeah, sadly moved awesome. away. But those those two guys, I was like, wow, I I want to pick up more habits from those guys because that's just it's just such a great feeling hanging out with them. I agree. Here we're gonna do this.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron, and I am coming at you live from the studio today. Yes, that's right. It's been, uh, we have another live guest. It has been quite a while since I've had somebody in here, and I could not be more pleased uh, at my guest today. I, through moving to Oregon, living in Portland, being in the, the music scene, meeting cool people, um, and this podcast is kind of the avenue at which uh, I discovered the insane talent, dedication to the craft, dedication to music, um, and an incredible work ethic. You guys just got done hearing a pretty cool cold open that doesn't get to happen very often when conversation flows really well. And uh, you heard us talking about Ben Charles, and he's been on the show a few times now. And um, through meeting him and... Ligature marks. I know Kyle Baltus from 36. We're all Alaska kid. Well, he's not an Alaska kid, but knowing the 36 guys from living in Alaska, um, I obviously know Baltus and then know Ben from Ligature. All that moved greatly. And in the <laughs> the revolving circle of all of these people is uh, a creative giant behind that scene. Um, Carl Winery is a dude who whether you follow Vintercy, whether you follow Ligature Marks, whether you follow any band, it seems now, in Portland who is putting out content, putting out music videos, you've heard of Hot Carl Productions, um, you would have seen, if you're a horror fan, Jason Rising, it's a fan film. They they put together this amazing... I've watched that movie like four fucking times. I've told every friend of mine who's a horror fan, watch this film because it's amazing. And the that stuff, all of these things I'm mentioning, <laughs> maybe there's a crew of people behind, we'll find out, but it's seemingly done by one man, spearheaded by one guy. And that only takes a passion for your art, a passion for putting stuff out, getting stuff done, being involved with creativity on all fronts from all types of people makes you grow stronger. So uh, in the midst of his amazing busy schedule, we found ourselves together at noon on a Saturday uh, to talk about passion, talk about craft. Uh, Welcome to the show, Carl. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, Uh, my name, oh, there's applause. Yes, nice, nicely done. Yeah, uh, I'm Carl Winery. I'm in Ligature Marks. I'm in Vintersea. I've been in. I was in Proven for like ten years. It's a hardcore band that, if you live in Portland, I share. I guarantee you've seen us at one of the shows around town. Um, uh, been a huge fan of like just music my entire life, and I want to say like Eat ten mic a little more. Ten years ago, I decided that I was gonna um, switch to creating content versus trying to consume it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say that and it's not like some big, huge epiphany, but I was like, you know, I don't want to be just be somebody sitting here watching TV and talking about keeping up with the Kardashians. It was more of a, I want to be making that stuff. I want to be making the things that people are listening to. Um, I want to be making the things that people are watching and just enjoy life and have a good time. Like, I don't want to look back at my last week and say, Hmm, you know, I watched true detective Well, you know, that might be a great show. Like I want to be working on stuff, uh, that I can be proud of. And, you know, and, and when I fell into the video work, um, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, I think, you know, I wrote down like one of my goals was to help elevate the Portland scene. And I've been trying, so it's like a weird balancing act of like 
how do you charge enough money to make it worth your time where you don't get too burned out? And then, you know, at the same time, charging enough that bands can afford it because everybody wants to rip bands off. Or, yes. you know, if you're being in a band, like you're destined to just spin, yeah. spin, spin. It's expensive as all hell. Oh, yeah. yeah it's worse it's, than owning a boat. Oh, seriously. Uh, man, I, yeah. It, it's I have like two of the most expensive hobbies, uh, <laughs> film and music. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> uh, well, well, where did – are you from Portland originally? Uh, no, I'm a military brat. My dad, uh, he was in the Marine Corps for 20 years. So we were born in D.C. and like we moved uh. everywhere. Uh, but I would say, you know, as in um, – Hawaii for elementary school, Japan for middle school, and then we moved uh, to Portland for high school. Oh shit! And been in Portland ever since. Wow, that's awesome. And then you got a you got a brother, right? Or two? How I many, got how two many? brothers. Yeah, I have an identical twin. Yeah, he yeah. lives down in L.A. And then I have a little brother uh, who, who's also in ligature marks. Uh, Josh. Yeah, Josh. He's ten years younger. He's awesome. He shreds. He writes like the coolest music. Yeah, uh, Josh is really yeah. cool. I'm, you know, it, I got to, I helped you guys out with um, the music video. I was one of the the monsters in one of your music videos, and um meeting just all of your crew man everybody you know you talked about freddie earlier he's an amazing dude just everybody yep. kind of really it, it was cool coming to a project where it seemed like everybody was like okay this is this is going to be a little grueling this is going to be a rush and we're kind of cramming but we're all on the same page to just achieve a product and and that was pretty cool to to be in so have you always kind of had the drive for that since you were a kid what what was your did you want to be a musician when you were a kid how did that look for you i don't remember exactly but i want to say middle school is when i probably started listening to listening to like my own music versus like what and that was when you were in to. japan yeah and so, so what, it was like grunge it was smashing pumpkins was uh, huge um I can't remember like what else i think the first album i ever bought was like green day's no, it's Queen greatest, Queen's Greatest Hits, then Green Day Dookie, and then Nirvana Heart Shape Box. Okay. I think that was the order, if I remember correctly. Allison Chains was in there somewhere with the three. Oh, yeah, because you would have been, uh, what, like, like 94, 90, something like that, yeah, 95 like that. in middle yeah. school? Yeah. yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, and, and Japan was weird because, you know, we were on a military base, but you got things late typically. Mm -hmm. Like Jurassic Park, we saw two years after it came out in the States or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was it was weird. So it's almost my, like living in Alaska. Yeah, my sense of time is just off. I'm like, I don't uh -huh. know when things came out in the States because we got it weird when yeah. I lived in different places. But yeah, I want to say, uh, you know, it was like grunge was really when I started listening to like my own stuff. And from there, it was a pretty quick leap once we moved here to like, Corn and Deftones and Slayer and Metallic. Metallic was huge, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it, you know their early stuff was just so fucking masterful. I mean, there's Master Puppets poster there. Yeah, I mean, I got yeah. Another, yeah, yep. no, I, 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 I saw that one. I didn't see that one. So yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know. So it's uh, at a certain point, you know, there's a talent show in high school where some friends paid, played a cover of Painted Black from Rolling Stones. And it was my friend Luke, who was, he's an amazing bass player. Um, cool. One of the most talented people, sadly not here anymore. Oh. Um, took his own life. Uh, he had some mental health struggles uh, years back. <sighs> and, uh, but he, you know, he was, he was a huge inspiration. Um, you know, they did an amazing cover. It was two teachers, two students, and they covered Painted Black. And it was just fucking incredible. I was like, I still, nobody's covered it as well. I'm like, God, I wish I had that recorded because yeah. it was just like one of those moments in time that was like magical. Uh, but I would say that was one of those things where I was like, fuck, I want to, I want to do more of that. Well, like, it's, you know, that is perfectly apropos to the beginning of our conversation where, um, we were talking about the visceralness of, of media and, and tying moments in time to songs, um, and kind of the immediacy to be able to recall the feelings of, um, 
feelings of that time when you experience that song with something, you know, whether it's pulling a vinyl out of the its sheath and, and dusting it off and setting it down on a vinyl player to watching your friends perform music on stage. You feel like you're, it, it really does feel kind of intrinsically the same after the fact, the, the experience of both of those, um, does does make that man i'm sorry to hear about your your buddy yeah um, yeah I mean, but but so that may have been like a turning point for you huh i think i think so it's weird because i don't i don't often go back and like kind of analyze uh and try to figure that stuff out but um you know after that we we did a the next year some friends and i put on a music show at school and uh we covered we horribly covered like system of a down were you a bass player and, at the same time I can't remember if I, I think I was playing guitar. Oh, so you st started with guitar yeah, first in yeah. high school? Yeah, and then I switched. I, had, I was in one band for like four years. I think we played like three shows and two of them were house parties or something. Like yeah. we were just figuring shit out. And then after that, did. it was four years in that band, I think. And then I kind of bounced around for a while. And one of my buddies asked me to play bass in the band. And I was like, oh, shit, I, I really like this. And mm -hmm. so I've always kind of been dual. Um, and I think I'm better at bass than I am guitar, but I like to write songs and it's harder on bass. Yeah. Nobody wants to listen when you're like, Hey, I got an idea. Let me show it to you on bass. So it's, <laughs> you know, I'll always have both. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's, I, I was a guitar player first. This is my first Schecter, oh, nice. second Schecter I ever bought. Hollow body, semi hollow body. Nice. Neck through yeah. beautiful, beautiful guitar. But that was, I was a guitar player, man. Yeah. And I was riff writer. James, it was my fucking hero, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, and it, it wasn't, it was watching watching Metallica live. I, I remember, uh, God, it, it would have had to have been 96, 97 when I first saw uh, Metallica Binge and Purge, uh, where they're on the the like the four way stage in yep. the round and just fucking playing opening with so fucking so fucking what you know the good Metallica nineties yeah. Metallica, yep. um, and just the fucking i didn't realize it at the time but i'm older now than james was then playing that music right yeah that's insane to me and they've already done million plus people in moscow yeah they've already done all of these things and i'm older than they were doing that and like at the time i watched that and i'm like i want to do that like just playing fucking guitar chugging i didn't i never was a solo guy i yeah, never cared about same. being a lead player i didn't even actually care about singing and playing i just wanted to write fucking riffs you know then you discover black sabbath and tony iomi and you're like oh this is what riffs can be yeah that's a different approach here but this is equally amazing and then tom morello rage against the machine riffs yep and i was like oh these are these are all the same instrument like you can do all oh fuck and then it was it was playing band and band and jumping around and figuring out where i fell in the world that everybody else was also guitar players and they're just kind of like hey i need we need a bass player okay um do you play with fingerstyle uh, a little mostly pick yeah me too yeah because yeah. i was guitar player first and i could just you can keep those chops you can yep. be just as articulate you, it's, you know. it's, it's on it. I mean, it's tighter. People freak out when people use bass or picks with bass, but like, whatever. Some of the best bass players I've seen use picks and like, fuck it. If it sounds good, what's it matter? Well, that was the other thing is, is, you know, my brother is also a bass player. And, um, when I was becoming a guitar player, he was a, the bass player. So we, we fit that together and he was a finger style player. Um, and you know, he's fucking phenomenal. And, 
I was going to make a point. Oh, and it was it was always kind of that thing. Like when I started playing, man, sh- should I use it? But Jason Newstead from Metallica plays with a fucking pick, yep. and he could play everything that Cliff played, and he could follow James note for note on things like Blackened. Yeah. So yeah, if he can do that, I can do that. Yeah, and yeah, I just it's funny. I filmed a video for a band over the last weekend. And their, their bass player just had the best form, like, when he was playing. And he was just so fucking tight. And I just watch him. I'm like, wow, that guy's good. And there's a part where it breaks, and he switches to fingers for a second. But he's, like, 90% of the song on pick. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, okay, that, that works out great. And I was like, how come you, you know, what made you switch there? And he's like, oh, it just felt right. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Because on the last Fantasy album, did mostly pick. And then there's a few parts where we did fingers because it seemed like that was where like it grooved a little better with that part. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's just what I'm going to do. And I've, I've done that live too, uh, over the years where, you know, some parts finger and most of it's pick and, you know, I'll just hold the pick when I switch or oh, stick it in. The I was going to ask, did you have, do you have a good technique of, you know, playing? Cause I, I play kind of folded over when I pick and I lock that in there and it's yeah. hard for me to get rid of the, oh, the, man. the I pick. have the worst technique in the world. I think, um, I'm actually trying to go back and like redevelop some habits on playing because, um, you know, uh, what I found on, I did this, wait, wait, wait I'm going to jump back. Yeah, yeah, on the, yeah, on the yeah. last tour, for the last tour that Vinnerci did, I did um, finger playing the entire tour. Really? Which, except for the, the last three dates, because I ended up getting huge blisters. Because we pandemic, you don't play as often, Fuck, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh my God. And then I had to raise the bass up to use pick, because I had played with them at different heights, When if I'm going to do a whole set with one or the other. Gotcha. And um, I was just like, wow, my the first show I shredded my fingers again because just my technique was just not quite there. And I had bang a shit ton. So depending on how much I had bang, you know, it depends how bad yeah. my technique is. But I was like, I, I need to like redevelop this a little bit too. Um, but a lot of times what I do is I'd have an extra pick buried in the pickups on the sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, play when I swap, I just grab it out. So I just drop the pick I'm holding, play yeah. with my fingers, and then snag the back up. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's man, yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing a little bit of it's funny now, now as a, you know, I've been playing bass for 13 years, probably something right in that range. Um, specific as my primary instrument, you know, yeah. obviously I still pick up guitar, but the one I actually care about, um, in a professional manner. Um, and yeah, it's the same thing. You, you get, you get your habit, you get, you write songs with a specific habit. And then that seems like it locks you into playing that way all the time. Um, when there are different grooves around the same notes, like you can play a song with fingers and it does land, it follows the beat a little differently. Yep. And so I've been kind of forcing myself in downtime that we're kind of having, um, to pick it up and go, okay, I know how to play all these songs. I know how many, I'm not trying to like learn something new for the first time. I'm just trying to play my old songs with my fingers now. And like, I feel like a, like a beginner again. I'm just like plunk, plunk. Like <laughs> yeah. my, my hands are so uncoordinated. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as like pick dynamics, dude, there was um, <laughs> some of the best picking kind of techniques and work throughs. Do, do you know who Ben Eller is? Mm, no, I don't. Uh, on YouTube, he's Uncle Ben, Ben Eller Guitars. Um, he does, he's a guitar player. He's out of Nashville, um, plays with Andy Wood. And he's just, uh, he's, he's in the band called Skank Banger. Hmm. Um, great, great stuff. Um, and he is just a phenomenal technical guitar player. He, he can play bass super great. Like he, he, he's just all around hands on fingers. Amazing. And he goes through some, 
uh, this is why he has a, a video series called this is why you suck at guitar and he will go through and break down is entering and escaping the pickpocket with your picks and how to slant and, and getting all the X pattern stuff and and just I, I watched that and I, I learned about him probably like four or five years ago and really just like dove into doing that yeah. you know set, setting your camera up and filming your hand pick the strings and how you play and um amazing series dude and it helps so much on just getting my picking hand nice. efficient uh, i was i was moving totally gonna have to watch that do it i was moving too far i was picking yeah. my hand away from the strings and not having a good bridge point and that's what those are yeah is that's how like i keep my pinky right there yeah and and it, it actually wore in i i had to teach myself to glue my fucking hand to my base but I think it helped yeah. as far as just Oh, I bet it did. It's it's one of those things like especially live, you know, you try to dig into it a little bit, but it can it can really like fuck your technique on the part. So oh, yeah. what I found on the last tour was there's some parts where it's like, okay, I can go crazy here and other parts you like just you chill the fuck out because you know, I'm gonna I know I'm gonna run into this next part and I don't wanna run out of steam. Wh- and you know, if I was moving my hand too far away, I'd have to like I'd hit it different, and then next thing you know, you start tensing up a little bit. Are you a pretty aggressive, aggressive stage guy? Yeah, completely. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, I, so, I will destroy my brain headbanging so much. I was going to ask, what what is it about redheads who are bass players and animals on stage? Yeah, no, no idea. Just uh, naturally badass. <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> like it, it must be like our genetic equivalent to battle axes on like fields and battle. Totally, right? yeah. I'm like, I'm going to win. Yeah. And, and I know I walk away every show, and I'm so, like, yeah, so, I won. So let me ask you, uh, what, what was the compulsion because i do the same thing i wreck my neck on yep. stage man and w- what is the compulsion like for me i never planned on being like i'm gonna show this it's just i get on stage and once the groove starts my i do it right and yeah. so did did you feel do you now feel a compulsion to keep up the energy because we're getting older man we're not being able to quite headbang and thrash like I, I, every time i'm like okay i'll chill out and then i i don't and it's not <laughs> so i'd say it's less thinking and more just doing um i don't know if it's habit or just like feeling it um and i, I will say like there's a time where i can't remember, I don't remember what it was I had, I had one show where i was like off my game and i didn't move where shit onto her and it was like everybody was like oh my god this was amazing and i'm like well i don't know what it was for me but i felt like i was not i couldn't click with it and it was one show out of like 12 yeah and i was like and i didn't hardly headbang and i was like well okay i'll consider that a rest night and then the next night we were back on it and i was like oh, everything's fine and i'm like could i not hear myself very well like i don't i don't i still don't know what it was but you know when things are good i'm just going for it like i just i just do <clears throat> that's that's interesting did do you um you saying that the other members in the band didn't have a problem with no, the show and no, it was, it they, was only they, you. Yeah. It was only me. And the entire time I'm like, I'm not digging this and I don't know what it was. Huh? It's, yeah. It's, I, yeah, dude, I, those funks happen sometimes. Yep. Um, how did, so, so you said you were in, um, Oh God, I, what was the first band you said you, the, in for like 10 years? Uh, proven. Proven. Yeah. That, okay. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how, how did that, project start they started it started before i was in a oh before i joined um so i joined them in progress but they were basically like kind of one of the biggest hardcore slash metal bands in portland um at that time and you know they were they were doing a lot of really cool stuff and i forget how i how i hooked up with them but um you know i i forget what i think it was in a band called devera right before that and i was looking to join something again and 
you know, I've always like, one of my things is always like, I kind of, I don't want to say manage the band, but I'm always that person that if I see an opportunity, yeah, I'm, I'm always pushing the band, always pushing, always doing things. And just like, how can I make the band better? How can I make the band better? What can I do to like drive us forward? And, um, I talked to Mark, the singer about that. And I think, you know, he was at a point where he was shouldering all that in his band. And Mm. so we were on the same page for eight years out of the tent, completely lockstep, you know? And I was like, I came in and it's like, I wrote up a five page word doc on here's the plan of what we're going to do. So I knew that they had an album that they had basically written. So I was like, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go bring, they had a contact with Billy from biohazard. Yep. He produced uh, and mixed like the first album or two or something like that. And we're like, okay, let's, let's fly him out here. Let's have him produce it. And we'll have him mix it. And we're going to send out press releases to Blabbermouth and all these other places. And I just had this laundry list of things that we were going to do film music videos. And this is before I knew how to film music videos. Um, and we just started checking everything off and you know it was it was pretty crazy like we got press from blabbermouth i uh, found some some competition for unsigned bands on um metal sucks i think yeah one of those places uh got us in there and i think we came in like second or something like that maybe third but we we're we we're up in the top uh so you know we got a lot of press from that um lots of you know random random things but it also caused some division in the band because one of the guitar players wanted to be the, the guy that the had show. all the, yeah, yeah he's like oh no like you can't come in and tell us what to do i'm like do you disagree with these as bad things to do mm-hmm. well no and i'm like so what's the problem you just pissed that ego. some new guy yeah it's totally ego and you know two of the guys were sensitive babies and that guy turned some of the other guys against uh against me and mark was, mark was basically like get the fuck out you losers because they, they were like well you gotta fire him or we're gonna quit and so he's like gtfo to them yeah yeah and so that started you know proven has always had lineup challenges um They've always had a guitar player in the band, almost always, um, that was a complete fucking dickhead mm. uh, and or slightly insane. But a good guitar player. Yes, and a good yeah. songwriter. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, why, you know, why does that package I, I happen? I don't man? know. And, fucking guitar know, players. And I say that, and like, there's obviously moments where the people were fucking great, otherwise yeah. they wouldn't be in the band. But you know, overall, it's just like nightmare status sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so Proven had a lot of lineup challenges. And I ended up leaving. Mark and I, like I said, we were on the same page forever. We opened for every fucking band that came through town. Like we played with Subaltura, Soulfly, oh, yeah. Machine Head, Dillinger, Otep, Barrier Dead. You name them. We probably played with them. Like we played with them on a Marth, uh, In Flames, oh. Black Label Society, you know, all this shit. And I, oh God, it was just, so, it was so fun. And, you know, there were times where we were on fire and I thought that we could take over the world and then we could just never keep that momentum going. Right. And then after a certain point of time, you know, I started realizing, and I was like, you know, I want to do things that nobody else is, wants to do. And it's a fight. And I was like, everything's a fight right now. And mm. for the first time I was kind of like, wow, I'm, I'm the guy that's the odd man out. So, um, at that point, respectfully bow and yeah yeah yeah. and so mark and i are still great friends and still friends with everybody you know that's been that's in the band or is out right now like i i I look at that band as a family if people are in and out but there are a lot of times they come back in for stuff and 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 proven is still active right now yeah yeah, they're still doing stuff good yeah still friends with everybody you know and if they said hey can you help out i'd probably go help out you know yeah i still know the shit so why not um right but yeah, it's just uh, just one of those things where you know it kind of ran its course after a long time. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm really happy, you know, with the two bands I'm in right now. Ligature Marks is freaking awesome. I'd, I'd call it like American metal, and then yeah. Bitter C sounds more like Euro metal. It's like it, absolutely, a little bit melodic death metal, black metal, prog, all rolled into one. Well, yeah, Venture Venture C. You guys, you guys are 
the the thing I really in well there there are multiple things, but I guess what what's, what strictly stands out to me is one female vocalist. Yeah, um, and she's a powerhouse. Oh my god, I love her voice. She's, um, it she's is so talented. It is it is amazing. And then yeah, you guys are non genre specific. I can't pick a genre. I was trying to think before you know going watching your music videos and like like what would you I don't know what you'd call you guys. I mean it had it seems like one of those instances probably where uh, you let the f- the fans define you instead of trying to define yourself. It's funny. I, I feel like I'm always in bands where let's say proven, uh, it was either his like combined hardcore and metal. We were too hardcore for the metal kids to metal for the hardcore kids. That said, <laughs> there's definitely an overlap and we had tons of fans, but like, you know, yeah. you sign up and like the guys were, I only listen to hardcore. You know, if you play like, if there's any melody, I'm not into it. Those guys would hate us. Um, right. typically. And then, you know, the metal kids are like, what the fuck is this breakdown in here? But, you know, we had that you always play down the middle and there's like people who are like, oh, my God, this is incredible. It's got everything I want. And is kind of like that, but it's got even more elements. It's got like that's why I said a lot of times I'm like, yeah, we sound like more like European metal. It's yeah. it's with like black metal in there. It's like a lot of I don't know. I feel like if we came up in Germany, we'd be like one of the biggest bands in Germany or something. Probably. Yeah. And probably. we have a lot of German fans. So um, well, well it's 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 one of those things when when I've never been in a band um that defined themselves by the genre first yeah we all we always were just people of different musical backgrounds getting together and creating the the music we wanted to hear yeah um and even earth to ashes now i'm uh, you know we're rock we're not really metal but we get pretty heavy sometimes we're proggy but we're not prog yeah like you, you know what what do we call ourselves well you know it's music yeah, 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 it's it's what we want to hear. I don't, I don't, th- I think that you maybe shoebox yourself a little bit when you try and um, say, you know, we are a hardcore band. Oh yeah, yeah. Then there are unfortunate societal rules to what hardcore is yeah. now, you know, and it seems like within within any music community, you're the first to get told that that's not what you are. Oh, I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, like there's like, it cracks me up. I'm like, you either like it or you don't really when it comes down to it. And and I also get why people try to to put genres on stuff. It helps them put it in a box and helps them classify it. But you know, most bands are like this where if you look at, um, any song you could have like 10 album, uh, 10 out 10 songs in an album or something. And maybe like five fit in one category and the other five are like all across the board. Like, yeah, you know, whatever, just enjoy it or not. Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, uh, we're kind of like more European metal. Yeah. And hopefully that gets the vibe across to people. I, 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 I get it. I it's think I, th- I think it, it I think it it fits well. Um, I just I just think that you know that there becomes and it's not I don't I don't mean a problem. It just there it there becomes a lack of specificity when you go too broad with the something. Then maybe it also leaves room for those fans who may would be pedantic about labels yeah. to. N- leave it too much up for interpretation yeah i'll just say you know whatever people choose is probably right and wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah you're both <laughs> right and wrong um okay so how, how did vintercy become a thing and um when in kind of that span because you said with uh proven okay we need to start making music videos i don't know you don't know yet how to film music videos kind of take me through that progression because it seems like they're maybe interlaced with each oh, other right to- totally completely yeah so proven um proven was on a we we're doing a u.s tour and i bought like a little jvc handheld camcorder Fuck yeah. and i was like i'm gonna film it and i brought a laptop and, with a tape inside uh it was digital I had oh it was drive. all digital yeah, yeah. yeah. okay thank god um <laughs> 
if it was tape, but probably wouldn't be able to do this. But basically, I would film for like three days, all the hijinks on tour, and then edit videos and put them up online. I'm like, God, this is fun. Like this, this is great. And so after we got back, I was like, Oh, we could film a music video, and was trying to use this JVC thing. And filming a music video is way different than oh, dude, trying to film random shit sure and slice is. together. I had no clue what I was doing. So it came out horribly. I don't think we could use it. Found a friend with a nice camera, had him come out and film it. And then six months later, we got the footage. I'm like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. We get the footage. I put it together and I forgot. I'm like, oh yeah, what happened was the we had two days to film and the first day we painted shit, we filmed some stuff and then uh, the drummer being one of them and then the second day we had another guy come out with his nicer camera because we were having problems and the drummer wanted to go smoke weed with the girl so he didn't show up. So <laughs> we had shitty footage with the drums on the camera that was like out of focus and because yeah. it was we were using strobes and everything and it just didn't work. So I edited the music video uh, and just didn't put them in it because I was like, you fucking dick, you didn't show up and I can't use the crappy footage. And this is where I start getting, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I think I'm a nice dude. I think I'm reasonable, but I'm a fucking prick if you are a piece of shit or dumb. And this yeah. guy was dumb. He's like, oh, I want to show up because it's fucking weird. I'm like, motherfucker, you're supposed to be here. Yeah. So I cut him out of the video and he got so pissed. And I was like, you should have showed up. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. In something as like a music video, the end product is what people are going to remember. Yep. And you, I mean, yeah, I get, I get it. I, I would probably in the moment like that probably be upset too. Like, like you see that side, but we're not here for you to be shown. We're here yep. for a good video. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we put it out and, and yeah, he was pissed and I was like, okay. And then after that, I joined another band, uh, that I had kind of managed back in the day. I was really good friends with these dudes. So I was improving. I was also doing some other stuff. And, um, I'm one of the type of people that I like to have a lot of irons in the fire. If you haven't noticed, because yeah, it seems like, you know, it, man. if you have to wait for other people, things slow down. Yeah. You know, somebody has like, we had a guy get hurt in the band. Like, okay, well, six month break and we're not doing anything, but that means there's six months where nothing's happening. And Mm -hmm. who's to say you're going to get back together. So anyway, do another band. We hired somebody else to do a music video for us. Um, cause I'd kind of given up on it at that point. And the guy did like a really good job for 80% of it. And then 20% was trash. And I'm like, dude, like it's so close to being good. And he also just like handed us a video. I was like, here, it's done. I'm like, wait, but I'm going to chance to like give you any feedback. And nope, this is it. I'm like, wow. Okay. Not how I thought it was going to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, And then uh, I did, I hired somebody else, a, f- a friend, to do a music video for uh, a song that I wrote. And I get bought five gallons of blood. And the idea of the video <laughs> was that this lady is like a succubus. And she gets shot in the video and she has to heal herself in a pool of blood. And she's like, yeah, I'm down to get naked. I'm down to do whatever. You know, you can't show nipple on YouTube. So she wasn't going to show nipple. But the idea was she was going to get in the bathtub naked and come up. And she was just going to have, like, blood, like, running down her body. And yeah. you're supposed to film it and make it sexy. And we had my band at a show with uh, Howard Jones's other band. So we were oh, like, yeah. I wasn't going to be there. Light and the I was fire? Like, uh, light the torch, yeah. Light the torch. Yeah. Light the torch, yeah. And I think it – is that their current name? No, they, they, they changed a, it. Again. Yeah, they changed it. So it was the it was the first one. Okay. Yeah, whatever that one was. And um, I had five gallons of blood, and I was like, "Fuck, I wonder if this is enough." And I was like, I was super nervous that it wasn't enough because I like to over prepare for shit. Yeah. So I was telling the guy that I hired, I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't know if this is enough fucking blood." Well, anyway, we do the show, we come back, and one gallon of blood is open, and it was only half empty. And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, we have a problem here." And the other thing that I had done was I had wanted a. Uh, female involved like director person to help with 
bring some like i'll say like sexiness to it because they're trying to make it kind of sultry the song had a really cool vibe to it yeah. um and uh man it was like i just remember i was like this is not what i wanted and uh the whole, basically the succubus the other way that the other thing that happened was uh the succubus was killing people who were bad people so uh-huh. somebody stole somebody's tip and then they got killed and i'm like you don't the succubus kills people because they kill people. They don't need to be bad. And so these are contributions on it where I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. And the whole deal was I was going to edit the thing. Um, so I got the footage and I edited it and uh, everybody wanted their name off it who was involved in filming it because they hated what I did with it. And I was like, well, I hated <sighs> what you did. So fuck you guys. And uh, what it is is they don't get – a lot of people don't get metal or right. you know some of the like horror elements or whatever yeah yeah and that was like kind of eye-opening and that was the thing where i was like you know i gotta i gotta do this myself and i'd been playing with like green screen stuff for proven and like we had a first legit music video that i had done uh and it kind of filmed like two for other people um but yeah it was like you know that's kind of what got me in when i was like i just we can't quite nail it like yeah that's not my vision and I really want to make sure that, you know, I can, I can do this. And I started doing it for other people and, you know, I, I never know exactly how people would grade what they wanted versus what they got. Maybe they're as disappointed as I was, hopefully not. Um, but you know, it, I'm, I can almost guarantee we're closer to the ballpark of what right. people wanted. Well, were you, were you kind of a big consumer of horror films to begin with? Um, what gave you the, the, the director's, artistic mindset to kind of distinguish between what you wanted and what you didn't where where, where was the framework starting like references back you know you know that's a good question i'm not exactly sure i've always been a huge fan of like the marilyn manson and romstein smashing pumpkins videos the ones that were like really artistry like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. nine inch nails like they, they were just super super artistic um, and I want to say that's kind of where it started. And I always, I grew up with like horror movies, but I wouldn't call myself like, I have, I have friends who are like, I'm into horror and like, I'm, I'm yeah. not that too. And I always loved horror movies, but I also like action movies and superhero movies just as much of other as other shit. But so, I would imagine there's probably a, a consistent through line of arti- artistry. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess it's from metal, you know, just growing up with that. Like you look at uh, Slayer's um, Seasons in the Abyss and the oh, Queen in yeah. Egypt, like fuck, so pivotal, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Cradle of Filth back in the day. Huge. Uh, yeah. From the Dude, Cradle to Enslave, uh, that video's just so amazing seven dust had great music videos from back in the day um um the other one that really stuck out to me was um 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 oh god what was it why why am i um bang dang why why can't i no 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 well corn did good stuff too primus Nope, nope. Um, that was my bling ding. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually really, really, really good. No. Um, oh my God, why can't I think of? Um, Give me any details. Song oh, title. Um, genre. Um, oh, it's 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 definitely metal. Um, it's '90s kind of industrial metal. They were de- they 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 hung out with. Is it uh, Ministry? Nope, nope, nope. They painted their faces, um, or they they had face paint. They had really demonic stuff. The, mud the, the yes, oh, thank bum, you, Mudvayne. Mudvayne, thank you. God damn, I couldn't think of that thing. Oh my god, I feel so stupid. Um, uh, no, M- Mudvayne had crazy music videos back in the day, dude, and yeah. like. Yeah, that was, I get it. That's So fun fact about Mudvayne, there's a song on their second album called Not Falling. Yes. Which is one of my favorite Mudvayne songs. Love it. But they have two music videos for it because the first one failed so miserably. They got <laughs> no traction. Really? And so I, I love it because 
like when I work with bands for music videos now, I'm like, pick your, pick your best song to do a video. Like, yeah. you know, and if you have a really good idea for it, maybe we go start with something more simple for the first one uh, and get you in the cycle of like, how do you push stuff properly? Yeah. But uh, I'm tell, I've told people, I'm like, if you want to grab a song from five years ago or even 10 years ago and film a video for it, there's no fucking rules. Grab yeah. the old song. If you, if you shit the bed on the first music video, but you think that song's really good, film a second music video. People's t- attention goes so fast that nobody's gonna know and a lot of times every time you put out a video for a song people are like oh i love your new stuff i'm like well that video's been out or that album's been out for three years you just never listened to it because we never had a video for it yeah um and obviously there's some people who are going to listen to your shit without the video but most people won't see it until you put a music video out i know and uh it's just like no rules man no rules like i filmed um two videos for we went on vintercy went on tour recently and i filmed live videos for two of the bands that we on tour with yeah uh, just because I thought I really liked them all, and I thought like this will be fun. And uh, one of the bands, they, where I was talking to them, like what you know, what do you want, what song do you want? And there were two that they were looking at, but they've already done a music video for one of them. But we're like, I'm sorry, that's your, that is like your your fucking single. You kind of probably still want more attention on this. Yeah. And so we, Riley and I, convinced them to. I'm just gonna film that song, and I did it through through the entire tour, and then. Um, when I went to go start actually getting them this stuff three months later, uh, he was like, Oh, do you have footage for another song? I'm like, no, no, we talked about this. Remember it's your fucking single push it again. It'll be fine. Yeah. 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 Get people to remember that song. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. man. that's, that's, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, so how, how long has Vintercy, you guys have been around quite a while, right? Yeah, and so they started as like, I think, Asterian. What was it? Oh, it was another one you joined. Yeah, after yeah. So gotcha. I met I met C when I filmed a video for them for Sky Set Ablaze. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and okay. so as I'm proven, I'd started Ligature Marks. Um, I don't think we'd really announced Ligature Marks yet. And Ligature Marks came out of the ashes of a band called Scoundrel that I was in, and the singer quit when we were 99% done with this EP. And I was like, what the fuck what am I going to do with this? So we sat on it for a while. Nobody else in the band really pushed anything, and I was just like, "All right, we're done." And so, did did Ligature Mark start, um, already with Kyle in it? Your brother? No, no just so, a wholly different. Lineup. So my my brother was in it. He's only consistent. Okay. Um, we had two other guys in in Scandrel, loved them, uh, but they you know they were showing up and playing, and and I don't mean to uh, denigrate anything because like Adam, the bass player, had wrote uh, some cool things for the EP, but like. You know, it's just, I think he wanted to go more radio rock-ish, and I was like, no, I want to, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. I don't want to water this down. So there was just a little bit of conflict. And since there was a singer change, it's like, we're just not agreeing on next steps. So we just, we called it. Um, and then I was at a show, I think Phil and Samuel and the Legals, mm-hmm. and my band Proven was opening. And I was talking with Brad. I'm like, oh, I just had this EP that's like really good. And like the singer quit. And Brad's like, why don't you talk to Ben? And so Ben and I were drunk. And we're like, hey, you know, chatting it up. And then the next day he's like, was that just drunk talk? Or uh, he, I think he called it, was that tequila talk? Or are you serious? I'm like, no, I'm serious. So I sent him some stuff. And then uh, he came out to the studio. Like, I want to say it was within that month he came out and we started working on stuff. And, you know, things just started falling into place. You know, yeah. and it was the first time that we had worked um, on music together. And I've known him for a long time. Same thing with, like, Kyle and everybody. Um, 
and it was just and I don't know it fell together things fell together nicely it was it was really weird how it worked out because the music was pre-written yeah Kyle replaced the drums on everything <clears throat> uh, we did rework a few of the songs like did we had watered down a few parts on one of the songs and I went I went back to it and made it more vicious so like Talisman is way heavier than it oh, used yeah. to be like that's yeah. that's the song where I was like no we watered this down I was always irritated so I went back and I'm like nope we're redoing it we're bumping this thing up by 10 BPM we're doing this we're cutting this part like that halftime is stupid we're doing and then I'm like oh that's how I want it. And then Ben came That's a in. killer song. Man. Thank you. And Ben came in and crushed it. And if I AB'd yeah. you those songs, you would fucking die laughing. And there were some good parts in that first EP, but where like one of the songs that I would say is kind of filler on the EP where it ended up, the guy had some really killer, the previous singer had some really killer vocal lines, but nothing compared to fight like hell or talisman or fire and flood. Like those are the three that I'm like, I'm super proud of. Um, and two of the other songs are just a little bit more like severing. It's one of the two. You don't want to not have it's like looking at favorite children, but not all songs are created equally. And there's two songs that are filler. Not all not children been, are created equally. Yeah. I'm, I'm a way cooler person than my brother. I'm no <laughs> same. Yeah. You guys hear that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, I don't know. Um, and now, you know, we've just been working through new stuff and like, oh, I have to play you some of the new shit. It's fucking Please cool. Do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, um, I, I feel, I feel entirely fortunate. Well, one from the outside, it's like, it's it's like it's kind of like watching a super group happen from from the very the, like the in, instantation you know I mean within the Portland music scene Ligature Marks kind of is a Portland super group, um, uh, and getting to watch like being witness from the inside of the camp kind of you know I'm I'm good friends with Ben yeah. and um, we 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 share a lot of creative stuff back and forth um and watching you guys actually work is super inspiring and humbling like like you know i i kind of consider myself a, a little bit of a busybody, but watching how much all of you guys are doing it's like uh, fuck man it, it is an example and i think your music video qualities kind of really illustrate that the the, the the com- the composition of your songs show that i mean it's i don't i don't think there's anything you slouch on what do, what what do you do for to relax carl i have no chill i don't like is there ever a time when you sit down and just breathe yeah um but very rarely a lot of times like if i do sit down and let's say relaxing would probably be just like watching stuff with my wife oh yeah yeah, yeah. and that's that's kind of like the only downtime that <laughs> how does I have. she handle your your high intensity uh, uh, nature you know we we try to make sure we can spend time together when we can because there's sometimes like this last weekend i we went out to something for her old work friday night but then saturday i started filming a music video from 9 a.m which meant i was up at like 6 30 or 7 packing yeah. everything and then i filmed until five went home unloaded the car showered then went back to dante's judged the battle of the bands <laughs> yeah. went home started peeking at the music video grabbing some stills so i could show the band some stuff on sunday because i really really fucking enjoy doing that and then uh go to bed at like two o'clock in the morning wake up at the butt crack of dawn again go out to the second day of filming for the music video yeah and you know then i get back at like seven that night unload the car and then we went out to dinner and so like we have a little routine like typically when i get back from filming if it's at a decent time we'll go out to dinner and beers and like that's a nice like way to like ah have you guys been together a long time 
Yeah, so we we've, we've been married for four years, and I think we've been together for close to twelve now. Total. Oh, yeah. okay. So, so quite, so, quite so, a long time. So she was with you when when uh, she saw all the signs of your of your nature. From yeah, back. yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because when we got together, we we're both like, oh, we're both so busy, and like there were times where it, we haven't been as busy. And then I look back at the last like six years, and I'm like, God, every time I think I was the busiest I could possibly be, somehow I make it worse. And uh, you know, part of it is there's so many when you start doing shit. There's so many opportunities to say yes to cool things, yeah. and I try I try to do that because you never know when you're going to have a blast, when you're going to meet really cool people, when you get to do something that you sit back and you're like, wow, I'm proud of. And one one random example of that, wow, I'm proud, was we worked on Jason Rising, we put it out, and then we got uh, translations of five different languages, and I loaded that to YouTube, and randomly I was like, holy fuck, this feels monumental. Like I was so proud to be able to upload different languages on this thing, and I, I never thought that would have been something that made me really happy, but That's it did. Amazing. And that was one of those times where I sat back and reflected. It's like, shit, we loaded this because we have requests from people in Brazil, France, Germany, you know, and it was just like, whoa, this is fucking But we're going to get into that because that is huge. And I think that that movie in itself uh, involves quite a bit of discussion around because that's a fucking massive project. Yeah. Um, You know, and I want to get to this vinyl. You brought us some some amazing vinyl. Um, But I do want to really quickly touch on... um, you you recently went to Europe. Yep. And I am fascinated by ancient architecture. Oh. I am fascinated by ingenuity of of ancient peoples, but I don't want to say ancient peoples in a way that lessens them or their in- intellect. It is, you know, I could not survive then. Correct. You know. Well, I shouldn't say correct. I couldn't either. Yeah, I mean, no, I yeah. mean most people today would be like Wait, we have we have to do what for our food and water? Yeah. Like, oh wait, <laughs> what? So, how was that as an experience? I mean, I saw a lot of pictures, but man, you got you you got to go inside the Colosseum. Yes, you got. So, t- so talk been, me through a I, bit I, of. I, I want to check off like the seven wonders of the world at some point. Yeah, and I have a couple. Like, there's Stonehenge, so you have like ancient ones, whatever. Um, the Colosseum is one of the newer ones. We hit Great yep. Wall in 2019, late 2019. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. But uh, we went to Rome, and then we were there for like three days. Then we went to Greece for a couple days. We went to this island called Mykonos, and then we went to Athens. And I had thought Rome, I thought Rome was gonna be really cool, but it ended up blowing my mind. And I was already had high hopes. And great vacation for food, best food I've ever had on vacation. Yeah, um, just consistently throughout. Real Mediterranean food, man. Oh, so good. And then, um, you know, going to the Colosseum was really cool. Uh, but we also went to the Roman Forum right next to it, yeah. right after, and I had never really heard about that. And I was like, how did I not know more about this? And it was mind blowing. And it's basically this old kind of like city center with like different architecture throughout the years. And they've been building some of it back up because a lot of it got just like, you know, butchered over the centuries. But it was jaw dropping and it just kept going. I mean, it kept going and going and going. And you're like, wow. But Rome itself, you just walk around and like, their worst building would like blow away Portland's best. Yeah. I mean, it's just the craziest architecture, the craziest buildings, amazing statues everywhere, fountains, all sorts of stuff. You just walk around. It's just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Did it, did, were you able, do you think you were able to grasp? Cause this is the thing that I always wonder, like I haven't been to Europe yet. You know, I, most of all of my kind of learning of, of the ancient stuff is video. You know, I'm, 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 I'm watching other people there, but it's all through the screen when in person, do you think you were able to actually grasp like this is thousands of years old? Yeah. Like there's times where like you look at stuff. So like there's things like, let's say a big Buddha statue that we saw in China where I'm like, this sounds dumb. I hate statues like this. Why would I go watch this? And then you go walk up to it. You see it in person. You're like, 
fuck, this is cool. So I had to realize, like, you just got to open your mind on some of it and just yeah. see. And, I, and I've also seen people that kind of ragged on Chichen Itza. And we went, and I was like, wow, this place is I've heard Chichen Itza is amazing. Yeah, just mind-blowing. And, ah, oh, man, so uh, this felt like that, you know. But it, there's something on every corner. Yeah. And I'm like, how much effort and time did people spend building this stuff up? And all the like ingenuity that went into the Coliseum, um, and they talk about that architecture a lot, where they you know had lodestones for the arches, um, and you know it just I don't know it was just it was nuts, and you just see that ingenuity everywhere. I mean these things are still around. Well, every stone there was carved by a human hand. Yeah, a- every single you, you. Fuck. Okay, you you said you were on the Great Wall of China. I've often thought about this. Um, one, is it as big as you thought it was going to be or like like when you're standing on the wall looking down to the ground like is it yeah i wouldn't say it's quite like high up like fear heights at least not for me um but it's like you go to up some of the stairs on some of the parts and it's a stretch i mean it kicked your ass to get up to the top uh yeah. we're you know we we're a bus full of americans and like i want to say half the bus couldn't make it up past like three rounds of stairs because they're like mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know it, but it was it was impressive and the fact that they had the wall that long that high and that wide and those blocks are that big. I'm like, yeah. think of the logistics. I mean, that is well, the endeavor from hell. Well, not only that, but you, you were talking about, I mean, th- the amazing part to me is that was built to f- protect themselves. Yeah. Like the Mongolians were so fierce that the only course of action for an entire country the size of China is to build a wall like that yeah by hand yep hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years multiple generations of people you know i I would just imagine growing up at that time (laughs) it sounds stupid to say but you didn't have anything but the light of day or firelight yeah and you were probably born into a family that was building the wall you spent your entire life building the wall and birthed the next generations of your family into building that wall I never thought about it like that. It's kind of depressing. But they accomplished something that's still here today. That's the point. That's <laughs> the point. And, and the, 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 the gravitas of, you know, I, I think it's, to me, always thinking, and it is, it, it is, in essence, the same accomplishment as making a band work or something like that. Like, like it, is, it is one giant movement of people from the outside, but it is all done by dedication of individual lives from the inside. And it's really easy to look at the great wall of China and go, Oh, look at this amazing human achievement. And I think that people think of amazing and achievement, but they kind of miss the human part. Yeah. And like, no, you were an eight year old knowing that your dad and your grandpa built this wall for their entire lives. And you will be birthing your children to keep building this wall. And you're just one person existing in the, the, and you probably, there's people at the other end of the wall that you never meet and they're doing it down there too. Yeah. Like you're expanding it out both ways. And I think that's kind of like what in, in a smaller scale, what, what we're trying to accomplish in, in the, the human marvel of, music in general the the connectivity of the wideness and the breadth of what i mean music is a very broad word yeah there's not a lot that couldn't be interpreted as music i i hummed at lawnmower engines and weed whackers still like 
mm, oh, okay, that there's the tone, and then I'll, I'll play with the tones and try to sing the fifth over it, and like nice. you can make music out of anything. Yeah. And I think that it's ingenuity. And um, you also mentioned like the connectivity piece, and you know one of the things that I love about music, and also what I found through the movie was, you know, they're uniters. They bring people together, and you know, uh, there's so much like bullshit on Facebook with politics and I have people across most of the cross island politics where I'm like god if they knew my thought on this they might fucking hate me but they love me because they love this song they love this video yeah, or they love yeah. the movie um, and I, I'm like you know it's I'd rather unite people in that way than uh, keep like plugging away with like weird divisions and everything yeah I, I, I absolutely agree with that 100% um, okay before we transition into talking about the the your video um jason rising let's play this vinyl let's play this record so you brought us machine head and this is a black procession a live album yep so we're going to be playing uh your favorite song on the album right yeah beautiful morning beautiful morning and it's morning spelled like death m-o-u-r nice little wordplay from him much better than like Slayer's Americon, where you're like, come on, that's not cool. Well, I think, um... Look at that. Yeah, baby. I think uh, a lot of those kind of Americon... Level up to Dave McClane! Let's go, everybody! Let me fucking see you! From all around of the blackening! This is beautiful! Are you ready? Are you ready? Fuck you all! Get your fist in the air! Tell him, Rob. Hey, hey, hey. I love Machine Head, man. Hey, hey. I love this melody. kind of fall into this kind of genre defining place for me they, they, they fit kind of the same place in my head as like in flames does where they they're giving you this presence but they don't really stick there they kind of they play with inside of the, the mold yeah they're i don't know it's interesting like the funny thing i just haven't watched it or listened to it in a while but like it's not a good recording no it's, they're sloppy as fuck but it's still mean um 
yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I liked it too. And like Machine Head, like I love them when they're heavy for the most part. There's, there's some stuff that they down there. I'm like, oh, God damn it. But like for the most part, when they're on, like this song, like it's like oh, it's so good. The heavy parts are fucking great. And then when they slow it down and get melodic or maybe not slow, you know, I love Rob's voice and the sense of melody. Just so good. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple bass parts in here where like I, I couldn't hear them on the live version, but like it's just cool shit that they're doing. If I could marry Rob's voice, I would. Yeah, it's... And I've seen them when they played the click and when they haven't. And it's a huge difference when they're playing the click. Like, I've seen them, like, where they're fucking on it and you're like do they pre-record that because they're so tight and they didn't because we lost on the sound check and everything yeah. but like in a season where they just they were kind of like this where you're like wow there's you can tech you can like feel where somebody sped up like crazy or slowed it down too much or whatever the, um, the human element of all of these live recordings is actually what what I love about music yeah. I, I love hearing the imperfections and this isn't this is one show out of many shows you know yeah. they're well, I also think it's funny because I clearly didn't go back in and fix anything or like a lot of that live album I didn't go back in and fix stuff but I'm like that's one of the reasons why I always like it I'm like oh okay cool like some of my band sounds like this like we're doing great yeah yeah <laughs> I mean this is fucking metal yeah that's yeah Backups and everything, oh, yeah. but it's still so good. <laughs> like sometimes I see Masset on, and they're so good. And other times I'm like, "What the fuck happened?" But I still love them. Well, <laughs> that is exactly the um. Yeah, you know, it's M- Macedon is one of those shining examples of guys who are who are all phenomenal musicians. And then they don't really care to be that phenomenal all the time. Like, like they are, they are embodying the kind of original punkness of punk and what rock was. Like, hey, we're doing this, but we're also human. And like, sometimes I want to fuck around right now. Yeah. Also, like you know, there should be an element. I don't want to say danger, but kind of danger to it, where like yes. you don't know what you're gonna get. Like, yeah. not everything needs to be rehearsed down to the tenth in degree. You know. Yeah. I, put some put some danger back into things. Well, I I I think hmm, I would say not everything always needs to be executed down to the tenth degree. I think it does need to be rehearsed there. That way, if you know it intricately enough, then there's the freedom inside of that yeah. for you to actually totally. It, you're picking up what I'm putting down. So Dillinger is a prime example. Where yes. They, so I saw him, and I can't remember if this is the time we we played with him twice, but one of the times I saw him, and I've, I've seen him like fucking million times greg was like no no fuck the bullshit we're gonna go right to the next part and they're like oh, okay and then they all went to the, he- the next heavy part together but it was fucking hilarious because i seen him do it a bunch and we actually saw him in uh portland one night and then seattle the next night yeah. and they didn't do that in seattle so it's like wow that was not rehearsed they they just fucking ripped through it he was just like nope fuck the bullshit we're going right to 
it. And I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. Yeah. And they're one of the bands where, you know, you want to talk about bringing danger to the shit. They're on their A game, but they are doing the weirdest shit and destroying themselves for our enjoyment. I'll tell you, the other band that blows me away that are like those guys is Steak Sauce Mustache, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those guys are doing the exact like they they give you all the danger and you know that they fucking practice all their shit so that they can just fuck around on stage like i don't know it's pretty fucking yeah it's pretty rad that yeah. that element those, those of guys, those guys are good <laughs> yeah yeah taylor fucking baits dude he's, yeah. he's great he, he's so talented and uh, the whole group is and he yeah. had, we played vinnercy on our first tour we played with his other band your hands right history yep, yep, yeah 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 we uh actually when they sounded fucking huge too dude when well that's that's how i first met him when um when my when I first moved down here from Portland, my band Fighting Silence at the time, um, we were in a couple of the the Hawthorne Battle of the Bands and for Warp Tour and stuff like that. And we, and Your Hands Right History was one of the sh- one of our. We were in the final round um, with them, and I th- I think they ended up winning it that year, hmm. um, or at least got very close. Um, God, who was else? But yeah, that's how that's how I originally met met them and learned about nice those guys is yeah. Your Hands Right History. Um, so talk to me about how, where did the idea, the impetus for doing a Jason fan film come in? I mean, was it your, were you involved in the instantiation where you just brought in as film? How did that work, man? So um, the guy that records uh, Venner C and Ligature Marks, his name is Gabe Johnston. He's uh, yeah, yeah. been working with him for like years. Yeah, we, that, that's, that's who we recorded our stuff with Earth Ashes awesome. through. Yeah, so he introduced me to this guy named James Sweet. And uh, I helped James on a short film called Blood and Sugar. And it, we just, we clicked. It was like, you know, we got along really, really yeah. well together. And we worked on the editing on that for quite a while. And then um, we were like, oh, yeah, we should do something together, you know. Nothing, nothing happened for a while. And I want to say there are two events that kind of happened in parallel that um, kind of kicked it off. And one of them was uh, my friend Lance had me out to a photo shoot where he was doing like a Friday the 13th themed photo shoot. And I took video and I made a short film that was like a minute and a half of this girl running around from Jason and trying to hide. And we were at this abandoned Boy Scout camp. So it looked really crazy. There's like <laughs> cars with moss everywhere. I mean, it's a really perfect place for yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, got to run in slow motion, boobs bouncing, Jason's Classic, being creepy yeah. with the machete. And, like, you know, and it just there was no planning there. He just did it. And it was super fun. And I made it look really cool. And, and uh, the makeup artist who did the work made it look really fucking rad. And the location was incredible. So I was like, oh, this is this is really cool. So I put that together. And uh, James saw it. And I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. And, like, he talked to me about it. And he was like, oh, that's rad. Like, what would you guys do? Did you guys do any planning? I was like, no, nah, we just ran out and just got it. You know, there's there was no plan. There's nothing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he had seen a fan film for um, uh, called Never Hike Alone, and it was a Friday Thirteenth fan film, and it's really, really well done, like Hollywood movie level quality. Yeah. And you know, there's been a couple fan films I've seen throughout the years that come out, and it, what's interesting, you never know how much money they have. Some right. have a lot and they're really good. Some have a lot and they're really bad. Some have no money and they're fucking amazing. And most of them fall into not a whole lot of money, not that great. Yeah, they're they're but, but there's cult some, films, yeah. Yeah, diamonds and and you know, there that are just like, wow. And um James saw Never Hike Alone and he had been tossing around a couple ideas for things. And James is really good at like he'll come up he's kind of like bent where just have, have like twenty ideas. And I want to say like <laughs> half of them are really good. Yeah. yeah but it's yeah. like, well, okay, how do you narrow it down? So he saw Never Hike Alone. And so I think actually what happened was he saw he saw my short. He had a couple ideas for things. And he was like, he's always been a huge, huge Friday the 13th fan. So he was like, fuck, I think I want to do this. And then he saw Never Hike Alone. And he was like, wow, you can do an amazing job on these. He had seen my short film and was like, he reached out and was like, hey, I got an idea. You want to do something? I'm like, 
Yeah. I just said yes immediately. It's funny. Yeah. I found the chat where I was like, oh, here's the initial communication. He's like, hey, I think I want to make a Friday 13th film. Like, that sound interesting? I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm in. That, that was it. It was that easy to say yes. And, uh, you know, we, we spent like a year on pre-production on it. And so I was number two on the project. Yeah. Um, and uh, James worked with the Robert Blanche. Um, sadly, he passed away before, yep. the, right before the pandemic hit. Uh, but the, James and Robert were just ripping through ideas. You know, every time they send 10 pages or 15 pages, uh, you know, it, the, short, the story would change completely. And maybe they go through version three and then drop it and go to something else. So they're just ripping through ideas until, you know, you find that one that you just keep pushing further mm-hmm. down. And, you know, in the meantime, we're doing camera tests and some costume tests and whatever. Um, and can, can you be a little like when you're doing camera tests and costume tests, what are you like? What are you actually because get, get nerdy, man? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, great, great. Thank you for calling that out. So, when for the costume tests, uh, we knew who we wanted to play Jason, uh, we wanted Dan Kyle to play him. He was in Blood and Sugar, and he was he was like number Robert might be number three, Dan was number four, they're tied or yeah, something like yeah. that. You know, it was like it was like all there's like five of us that all came in right there at the beginning. Um, and so James is the Friday the 13th nerd. Like he is like the Bible for it. He knows exactly what he wants to do on there. He loves part four and he loves these earlier ones. So he wanted to develop a monster that looked more like part four, but it was also still unique to our movie. Yeah. And so, you know, what we did was James would go out and buy costumes. He'd dirty it up and, you know, make it look like how he wanted it to look. We'd do some fittings on Dan and then um, we would go out somewhere. Sometimes it was my yard. Sometimes it was like Kelly Point Park right down the street from yeah, here, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, sometimes it was like up in Washington and we go to different locations and we test things. So we're like, how does, how do we want Jason to move? And, you know, mm. Dan, so this is, it's, this is a fun back and forth process and we do the same thing with the camera stuff. So for Dan, you know, Dan has an idea on how he wants to do something. We have an idea kind of on how we want it to look. And sometimes you figure it out together. Um, but you know, a lot of times it's like, James is like, oh, I want him to turn a certain way. You want his shoulders to move first, or you want his head to move first and then the shoulders. Uh, and wow. you know, it's like, what, how do you get that creepy thing? So you kind of come up with your, like your your bible for it where you're like this is how we're going to approach these things and this is how we want it to to look and to feel and um we just spent a long time doing that i remember doing lots of motion tests like okay if dan's going to choke somebody how is that going to look and so he choke out james and i have just footage of footage of like test footage where you (laughs) know so you guys really would be as as specific as hey move this shoulder before this shoulder like uh, and then and then in the early days yeah oh yeah and and then does it kind of I mean, it involves uh, the actor then probably practicing that in his off time, trying to embody this movement, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and for the most part, you know, I would, you know, Dan, Dan embodied the character um, for sure. But you know, there's some times where you're, you're like, okay, do we want him to run? If he does run, how does that look? You know, if he moves fast, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. If he's chasing somebody, does he look like a zombie with his hands out or not? And and so those are just things you kind of want to look. And sometimes you know really quick as soon as you see something. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, it's not. Yeah. And, you know, or sometimes you show Dan and it's like, oh, hold on, I got this. And then you go gotcha. to the next thing. You're like, oh, fuck, that's cool. And, you know, we we're also kind of like still working on the story and the, the screenplay at that point. So yeah. we didn't know quite what we were going to do. But we were also doing camera tests. We're like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm used to filming music videos. Uh how do I want the camera to approach these things? Where do we frame him? So he looks tough. Where do we, you know, if he's running after somebody, how do we follow something as simple as like the height of the camera? All Huge of those difference. Right yeah. Now. You can move it six inches and it completely changes everything. Or yeah. sometimes it changes nothing. Just right. it's, it's, 
depends on the shot and the scene. But like, what you know, what cameras had, did you use to film? We ended up going with Blackmagic Pocket 4Ks. Okay, um, they are freaking incredible cameras. Uh, but I have, you know, I had a, have Sony cameras, I have Nikon, and we're just kind of testing to see, you know, color-wise, vibe-wise, what would get us the closest. And, and then stock lenses? Um, no. So we use, like, actually, in the actual movie, we use friggin' everything. Like, we use, my the main lenses we use for Rokinon and Zine. Okay, um, yeah. And, and they're basically from the same manufacturer. They're really similar, but, you know, one's a $500 lens versus $2,500. But there's not that much difference besides the case. So the the more expensive ones are these cine lenses, and they're fucking huge. But the focus throw, it takes a lot more to get from the focus from me to you, for instance, right? Uh, than the the smaller Rokinons. And you use a follow focus, whether it's wireless or not, and it would help somebody set marks. So if we're like, okay, we're acting from this to this, and we want it to be consistent, we'd use the Zine lenses. And then because you could move more and have yeah, less, it's just more precise yeah, yeah, where you yeah. use the broken on. And sometimes you move it to the same spot you have it marked and stopped at. And the focus is slightly off uh-huh. and you're like, Oh shit. And you know, sometimes it matters a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so of course. that was, you know, that was interesting. We also use just, I mean, like I said, every other lens that's out there right now we use, and I have somebody ripped me online. Like you have a collection of the cheapest fucking lenses. I'm like, shut up. But uh, yeah, you know, they're all kind of prosumer ish. Like, and we're not using $60,000 cooks or anything yeah, like yeah. that. But you know, it, it doesn't matter. The story it, is the most important thing. Yes. And then lighting yes. and then camera and lenses would be last. And it's also what you put in front of it too. Yeah. And so one of the areas that James really shines is his, um, like creating that atmosphere. So it's like how you dust up the costumes, how you dress people, you know, if he had, he made a Chris camp, Crystal Lake sign and made all these props and how he ages, everything is just huge. And so it was fun watching, my music video skills grow as we're making the movie because I'm like, fuck, I can build sets. Oh. I, I'm building a boat and I'm like, Oh fuck. The boat's yeah, that cool, desert but, scene was crazy, but man. I need to make this boat look like it's been through hell and back. <laughs> so call James, James come over and then he brings paint and then we spend two days painting the boat, you know? And it's just like, Oh my God. And it's just like, those things help make it so much cooler. Um, we built sets. So like, Oh, we're building the inside of a boat. We're building this for this video. We're building this for this. And I'm like, Oh, so cool. I can do this. Yeah. So, oh man, uh, that movie is fun. I learned so much from it. Yeah. Um, so it, as it gets closer, like obviously you guys are, you're doing all these tests, everything like that. The script is being written kind of simultaneously to everything and planning and casting. Um, how, how many people overall, like between cast extras, like how big of a project actually was this? Great question. It got it got really big when we first started. So uh, before the pandemic, we kind of I kind of look at Jason Rising pre pandemic and post pandemic. Sure. And I sure. say post, and we're not through it yet, obviously. But you know, instantiation. Yeah. Yeah. Once you like get used to it, is yeah. where I'm going. Yeah. So we had the year of prep, and then um, when we went to go start filming the actual movie, the first thing that we did, we found a producer named Vinny, uh, the guy that made Never Hike Alone. We started talking to him and he turned out to be like the coolest fucking dude. So he he comes up and he stays with my wife and I, and the first week in the filming, he basically helped direct that first weekend. Uh, James is great, uh, but it was so nice to have Vinny kind of be the assistant director and also like, Hey, I'm going to help you guys set a bar on the production. This, this is how things work. And so if he hadn't come up that weekend, I don't know how we did, We learned so much from him. So it was huge. And really? so the first weekend was not the biggest amount of people, but we kind of learned how this is how we're going to do the shot list. This is how we're, we prep everybody. This is how we organize. And it was good. And then when we actually started filming, when Vinny wasn't here, we had a lot of really big days where we had huge cast. We had extras. We're filming like the, when the intro of the movie, when yeah. Pete's pulling up to the barn. So we had two prisoners. We had two guards. Uh, my friend with the ambulance, uh, King banana was there as a dead guard. Well, I was like, 
I, I know. How did you guys get? I mean, was it just as simple as reaching out and going, "Hey, we're doing this. Be yeah. a part of it." Yeah. Well, so I, you know, you see me post getting up. King Bananas huge, man, <laughs> and he's also a huge Friday the Thirteenth fan yeah. too, which is fucking incredible. So, and then Jason from um, Separation of Sanity is the guard that waves him in. And I mean, I posted I posted on fake Facebook where I was like, "Hey, we need some extras coming up. You know, is anybody interested?" And I don't think I said what it was for necessarily, but I always ask online because you never know who has what. And like, right. somebody's like, "Oh, we got to rent an ambulance," and I was like, "I'll just ask and see if a friend has one." And people are like, "Oh, no one's gonna have an ambulance." Guess what? I had a friend that had an ambulance. Like, it's it, you never know until you put it out there. Yeah. So you know, people got in touch, and if they could come out, we set them up. And you know, some of them had to wait around six hours before they did anything. I'm like, eh, it's how it goes. But those days, that first couple weekends of filming, we had the most people. So we had the director, James, myself, Freddie. Um, so Freddie uh, was also co-director of photography on it. Yep. Um, and so we had two people on camera. We had an assistant camera. We had like three or four PAs. We had an assistant director. We had our sound guy. So we had like a 10-person crew or more. And then you have all the actors. So you have like, let's say, like six main actors. And then you have some extras. All of a sudden, you know, that's a lot of people. And wow. yeah, so we'd have like, I want to say like 30 people at various points on the first couple weekends. And then as we start getting, um, as we start working into it, I want to say the crew shrunk down a little bit, not not a whole lot. Um, but then once the pandemic hit, wow, we dropped down to, I want to say a good chunk of the movie was filmed with whatever actors we had on screen, the sound guy, James and myself, and that was it. And then occasionally, and as it started going, we started get, adding more camera people back in. What what were you using to capture sound? Uh, I Daniel Smith did all the audio on set, and I don't know exactly what he had, but he had like wire. We did. He boomed it. He had lav mics. Uh, sound going in was fucking amazing, and he did just I, a phenomenal job. Well, I noticed that. I, and then uh, as far as score as well, man, the music was great. How Gabe and James did that in the studio? Oh, um, really? Yeah. And then we had the guy that mastered it. His name is Troy over at Spectre. He's been mastering Venerce and now the new ligature mark stuff. Yeah. If you ever need mastering, go to him. That guy is fucking phenomenal. I, normally, when somebody masters something, I end up not liking it as much as the final mix yeah and i'm like oh my god they it just kind of it just it lost happen. something yeah. yeah it lost something and a lot of that's just the dynamics because mm-hmm. they have to boost it to a certain level to compete and whatever but this guy troy does the mastering that i'm like fuck this is better now like how did you make the mix better holy shit uh he did that for the movie and he had like no turnaround time and he crushed it just rushed it because we filmed the last part of the movie so close to the release that it was just a shit show well, trying yeah. to get the editing locked down. Like, and I'll tell you really quick too, the week before the movie came out, we were filming pickup so- shots in my front yard to fix a scene. Oh no. So we could cut between stuff. Cause we just something where we were like, Oh, we can fix that in audio. And somebody called it out where they were like, uh, this guy, Matt, who was helping us film uh, towards the end of the movie. He was like, what are you going to do here? Cause that, that drags. And I'm like, Oh, I know it drags. We're going to fix it. And I'm like, Oh, it's wishful thinking. We can't yeah. have wishful thinking. And so, right. I was like, oh my God, I need to do this. And he's like, well, I'll come over and help you build it. So we built a cabin facade in my front yard with wood from the boat from the Venice video. And then we filmed it later that week. And we had one night where Dan came out as the monster. I had another night where Anna was there and we just busted out. And, and then were was, you doing video editing? Yeah. So you, so you did the whole, so what did you use to edit with? I did use Premiere Pro, yeah. 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 Um, I think if I could do it again, I would use DaVinci Resolve. When we first started, I wasn't quite familiar with it. And then I, the new version of Resolve, like you can do time code on the audio and mm. say basically select all your footage and say sync it and it syncs it for you. Oh, 
Oh my God. It's beautiful. Now we didn't have time code when we started because it wasn't on the black magics yet. And they, they yep. added that later. Yep. And then, um, so I'd spend, you know, if we shot a day and we get home and what I'm doing is matching the audio. So I don't have to worry about that later. And then, so I'm up forever matching the fucking audio We go out and film the next day, do the same thing. I mean, it's just, I can't tell you how many hours I spent matching audio. It's probably, probably what, five, six times the length of the post final edit video right i mean uh, you know so daniel smith named the scenes and so we'd have the slates that would show like uh, this is take 71c and premiere like when you dump the files in um on the video it'll take some of your clips that should be like first because of the naming convention and dumps them at the very end and so i know that grab those stick them at the front drop the audio in and then you can match this stuff up uh, easy now yeah. that said there were definitely some nights where we had issues where you know, we didn't know what scene it was. And so the audio got labeled different as it was on the slate mm. or whatever, or you, the, yeah, there's definitely some times where I was like, fuck me, this sucks. But you know, by far and large, that was not an issue. Right, just, right, right. just time consuming. Um, and then, and then, uh, how much of a deal was color correction and all that stuff for you? I mean, was it, was oh. it important getting hues down? Did you have these kind of game plans as you were, in the in the pre-production and everything yeah, so like well, yeah and then we, we hit the color look that we liked in pre-production pretty early and it was kind of like a, a little bit of like a people i've heard people describe it different i would say it was very teal and orange mm-hmm. hollywoodish but not like transformers it was a little bit more like grindhousey yeah, kind of i was i was i was just going to say uh uh death proof yeah yeah, totally. You know, and we we're kind of going for you know that sort of look. And we we played with the different some different stuff, and I, I definitely took some color grading classes to just make sure that you know I could give it as best as I could. Yeah, because um, it it does it looks absolutely phenomenal whether you're watching it on an iPhone or on my 65 out front. It 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 both of them come across very well dark room lit room yeah i mean it it does look thank you that was that was it was hard so that was also kind of came at the end because we had so much different stuff uh that we filmed at the end and we were throwing everything together and i you know i got it pretty close and then um matt walcott who helped film towards the end he came over and we did two or three nights where we just sat through and just ripped through and made sure everything was even he had some really good suggestions too like at the end we kind of added a green tint in the barn to match like the metal halide fluorescent color because they do this weird thing with the tints wrong yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and so we, we wanted to like we went for that like like oh this looks cool ran it past the director and uh i'm like that's a great idea matt like that was it's very subtle probably nobody's gonna notice but fuck it's kind of neat if you see yeah. it before and after and you know so matt was i you know i'd stared at some of that footage for three years so <laughs> it was course, hard to like see some of the things that were wrong so we sat there and just worked through it together and you know, like, okay, made sure everything had the same white balance, made sure everything had the same like levels. And so he was just, it was so nice to have somebody else there with me and like run through and like, okay, does this look weird? Does this look good? And you know, he had, he was very exacting, um, in a good way where it's like, Hey, what about this? And so we made sure the contrast ratios were as good as we can make them, you know, so things were consistent from shot to shot. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like, you know, this part's still bright. I'm like, Oh fuck. And then we have to go back and then fix it. And so we spent a good chunk trying to like smooth that shit out. And, and then it is something kind of, is it something where you start making corrections on certain scenes that maybe look a little too bright and then that will affect later down the road and it's it's, It's, you know of course it's not easy right it's always like it's like when you mix something you're like oh cool i need to bring the bass up here and then you're like oh well now i have to bring guitars up and it's this weird tug and pull and you have to do that a lot and so if you know it you just kind of you know and same thing with editing where you tweak one scene like oh well now this part doesn't flow yeah and so it's always this iterative process but you know the more you rip through it uh 
the better it gets as you go, which is, you know, just super handy. And we did that same stuff with the audio too. Um, and Foley and sound effects, you know, it was always, um, a fun challenge, uh, going to the studio and, and trying to like, okay, what, what's missing in this scene? How do we make sure that like, is that squeak on the gate appropriate? Yeah. What does well, that chain sound like? That is the other down? thing I was going to ask is post sound effects. So, were you guys sitting there hitting spoons on tin pans and like trying to make, you know, we, there was, there was a very, very minor amount of that. A lot of that is on uh, scene captured live. It's effects? either captured live or uh, we downloaded some extra sounds from like some of the, not music bed, but some of the sound effects places like pond five and places like that. Um, because we didn't, the, the deadline on some of that stuff was so tight. There wasn't enough time to go back and like, okay, we're going to do fully here. And we did some, where it made sense, but a lot of it was just purchased from like Pond Five and places like that, or, yeah. or and a lot of it was just boosting the clean stuff that we got on set. Like Daniel was very meticulous, trying to make sure we got the best audio in. And Gabe, honestly, is a master at the processing side. You know, the ability for him to find that right reverb that ties everything together, we don't notice it until he takes it away, and you're like, "Oh, it sounds horrible." He adds it back in, you're like, "Wow, like that sounds like you're at the fucking location now." Like, good god. So that's amazing, man. Yeah, it's. It's cool hearing um, hearing these because you see a final. It's 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 the exact same thing as hearing a hearing a final mix of a song that's come back and yeah. not hearing every bad mix before, but wanting to know like like how many times did you guys have to fix those guitars or you know it, it's cool. Um, the other the other big question that I had is uh, the coolest cameo in any fan film. How did you guys get her? So one of the early drafts that we ditched on a screenplay involved her and James had reached out to Adrian King and said, Hey, you know, we have this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Would you be interested? And, you know, we hadn't really put anything out at that point. I don't think. And she, I think she read it or the agent got it and I think they passed on it. Um, And then there's also an explosion of fan films. So Vinny put never hike alone out and it did great. But then there's, huge explosion of other people saying like oh cool we can do that well what you find out is a lot of them can't do it they'd raise tons of money and they come out and they're not the best yeah you know or they might deliver they might be good at one thing and then not at others and i don't know um it was weird so i think there's just a lot of hesitancy from people to join fan films until they knew that the people were like legit because you don't want to attach your name to something that just sucks yeah you probably want to see a lot of shots yeah like can i see a trailer first can i see this first so so she passed on it and like no big deal but she was super nice and then um uh you know we started getting into this and the pandemic sucked obviously but it's also a really good thing because she wasn't in this originally we had a whole different ending the pandemic shut everything down. We had a chance to go back and like rework and revamp some things. And we're like, well, we have Pamela Voorhees here and that's so fucking cool. And yeah. it just makes sense for Adrian to come back. And yeah. so we just kept, you know, and I was always telling James, I'm like, I don't want an alumni in the film. I, I just don't, it just cheapens everything when you do it. Cause especially some of the fan films brought people in for no reason. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Well, you know, we were talking through ideas on this and somebody's like, ah, oh, wouldn't that be great if, you know, Alice could come back and kill Pamela again and finally gets to take on the boy from the lake. And once, once somebody said that out loud, which I think it was uh, James, it was like, well, fuck that is pretty fucking right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's like poetry right there. Like, good God. Okay. So Vinny and James worked really hard on uh, drafting that like kind of perfect ending or whatever. And, And so they got a pretty good chunk of it done. 
sent it to her and she was like, oh, I'm interested. She's like, but I don't want to use a gun in this, I think is what she said. There's something like that. She had a, she had a, uh, not a problem, but she, there was something that she's like, this doesn't fit my character. And they were like, oh, okay. And so, you know, we, we were trying to figure out how to end it. And we, James had wanted everything to end in the camp. Yep. And so we had this camp in Oregon city and we had this crystal lake sign and everything. There's this huge tree. And so we spent time where with an ATV and James in a harness where I drive the ATV and James is going to lift it off the ground. Um, and cause we were going to hang Dan and burn yeah. him alive yeah. and have Adrian light him on fire. That's like, Oh, that's cool. We'll leave him dangling. Like he's done it before, but she's going to torch him. Yeah. Well, the ice storm hit last year after the fires right. and just wrecked our fucking camp. So we're like, well, we can't use that anymore. And oh, the tree came down. Yeah. Everything oh. came down the whole, everything got fucked. And it was like, wow. I mean, ruined our lair, ruined our cabin. Like, so we're just like, well, this sucks, but whatever. Yeah. So that scratched that. And then, you know, through iterating through ideas, once that was out, um, we came up to the idea that we have. And once Adrian read that, she was just like, wow, this is like, she's like, I, I shed tears when I read this, this is, this is incredible. And, you know, if you have the right idea for the person, um, it, you know, she couldn't say no. I'll just say that, 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 that is the best case scenario. You present something that is too good. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. You know, and for her, you know, she had a stalker during part two and then she had also wanted more money to be in part two. And so they killed her character. Right. And that's, well, not killed. We don't act. We never actually yeah. saw well, if her. You go read, if you go read the comments on YouTube, people are correcting us. Cause like we saw her body in this thing. And it's like, no, you know, there's a behind the scenes photo where they show her uh, some corpse wearing her sweater. But if you look on the behind same behind the scene photos, um, they show where the stab hit and it just goes through her cheek and through part of her nose. It's not going to fucking kill her. Right. So in our movie, we're like, she lived, she got stabbed. It happened, but yeah. you know, she lived and then they put her in her witness protection and got her the fuck out of there. And you know, that's you know, our, the sheriff from the very beginning of our film is the one that put in her witness protection. And you know, yeah, so uh, it's it's great, dude. It, it it resolves it so well. Yeah, and so she came on set, and she's just like the like biggest ass kick, like ass kicker, and like uh, po- super positive attitude, and just hilarious. So she comes in, and she's just like, "Hi, I'm here," you know, it's me. And so everybody's like, "Oh, Adrian," and then she's like, "Yeah, James said that I was supposed to look at the costume." So the first thing that we do is show her the costume, and James isn't here. And I'm like, "Oh my god, why is it that I'm the one meeting her first and talking to her when this is like James's dream come yeah. true?" Like, yeah. "Oh, I'm sorry, James." So we we show her the costume, and she's like, "Nope." And I think the only thing that she used was the boots and the raincoat. Really? Or something like that. Yeah, she, yeah. she basically was like, "I got." She's like, "I got it." Alice will wear this stuff. I'm like, "Okay." And it was fucking perfect. And so she knows her character inside and out. And so she's like, nope, I, I, I got it. We, we're going to handle it. And, and she was such a pleasure to work with. Um, a pro. So, yeah, a pro. And she had a blast. And, oh, my God. Like, we, she was just so funny, too. And so she's up till 2 o'clock in the morning swinging machetes at Pamela Voorhees' head, cutting it off, <laughs> and screaming at the top of her lungs. I mean, it was it was fucking incredible. Wow. Like, like I'm, man, I'm getting goosebumps. Like, it's – she – you have this idea – it in the very beginning po- or pre-pandemic you you got, you probably none of you would have believed that that would have been the outcome huh yeah yeah correct yeah and then and then you're sitting there the juxtaposition from that thought nah that'll never work it's actually kind of campy and stupid to to bring an alumni back and and have two I imagine you sit there holding the camera watching her do this like holy fuck she's actually doing this yeah 
Yeah, it was crazy. It was... Uh, was there pinch yourself moments in that? Like, Yeah, you know, it's funny because there are a couple of magical moments on set. And, and I'm sure like you have this thing named those same things happen in band shit where it's like the first time you jam on a song or something where you're like, Oh fuck, that was special. Yeah. One of them was, um, Dan, the first time Dan was in costume and he steps out and he has a sack on his head, he pulls it off and he runs towards the lady. That was like, I'm holding the camera. You kind of lose yourself in the moment and you're like, yeah. fuck, that was so good. It gave me goddamn chills. And uh, yeah, there, and, and then when Adrian's doing that, there's, there were some moments that night too, where you're just like, Holy shit. Um, you know, that, that was a crazy weekend cause we filmed for three days and we got, um, James's hand getting cut off. We got Vinny getting hit with the, the chainsaw by Pamela Voorhees and Adrian killing, uh, Pamela Voorhees and yeah. Jason again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there's some moments that weekend and it was all three grueling fucking days. And so, you know, I, I did editing. I, so I'm, I'm at home and I'm dumping the footage, trying to make sure it's good, trying to make sure we're kicking off the backups, all that shit. Um, I also did a lot of the, you know, I got producer credit and I, I earned it. Um, Yeah. No James and I were always the first people to show up and the last people to leave, you know, and, and fuck man, you know, we just, we'd show up and we're just working and working and working, trying to prep everything. And, uh, you know, Vinny too, like James, Vinny and I, when Vinny was up, cause Vinny lived down in LA, but we'd fly him up for some of the big weekends and he, that guy just did workhorse. Um, and such a talent on film, like the way he yeah. speaks and can tell stories. It's just, it's so good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we worked our asses did, off on that did, thing. Did you guys have any of those moments when you're sitting there and it's like everything's you've wrapped filming. It's quite, has, it hasn't quite released yet, or maybe it has, um, you know, in my mind, it's very apropos to fucking clerks and Kevin Smith. And I've, you know, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. And he goes, I just wanted to make a movie. My friends wanted to see, we had 27 grand and we filmed it ourselves you know, we never probably imagined that it would be this. Did, did you guys have any of those kind of reality checks with each other? Like, guys, is, are, are we doing something here that maybe we're not seeing how, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was interesting. So, uh, you know, when we, when we first started, um, you know, James had never directed something before. He wasn't supposed to direct. Robert was going to direct and then Robert passed. Yeah. Um, and, you know... I remember uh, Freddie. Freddie and I are really good friends, but sometimes your friends are fucking assholes. And a long time ago, uh, somebody was like, "Hey, do you want to film this thing for me?" And I was like, "Sure." And then Freddie was like, "You don't know. You're not qualified to film that." And I'm like, "I'll figure it out." Well, we did a lot of that in Jason Rising. So we had some pros. We had uh, the assistant director, our sound guy. Like they do this shit for a living, and they are fucking pros. And we learned so much from them. But uh, you know, when it first started, it very much felt like you're trying to prove yourself to people because they're like, "Who the fuck are you? Why are you like? How are you in charge of this when right. you don't know shit?" I'm like, "No, I do know shit. I just I'm not used to your not fucking movie terms." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> movie terms. <laughs> yeah, because because yeah. uh, you know, Daniel is a fountain of knowledge on movie terms, and he he's like film school with them, which is yeah. great. So like, it, but you know, the first couple weekends, like James and I, I'm sure Freddie felt the same. Where you're trying to like kind of almost prove yourself to people. Mm-hmm. And you didn't get a chance to like reflect on that, but there were definitely some times where like, wow, we had 30 people here and we did this and you know, but we're also skating by the skin of our teeth on everything. Like we're painting the cabin the day that we're shooting it Uh, and you know, that sort of shit. And it's James and I showing up six hours early and then you're on set and somebody's trying to like rapid fire, ask you questions. And it felt like they were trying to trip you up. And I'm like, Holy shit. I've been here 12 hours today already. And you got here two hours ago. Shut up and give me a second. Like, Yeah. You can wait 30 seconds before I respond. Thank you. Um, and But towards the end, we were able to kind of, especially once Adrian came in that weekend, I think everybody left and it was just James and I. And we're 
packing stuff up and we're just, we kind of looked at each other and we had we had a, a really good conversation because there were some brutal points where we weren't sure if we'd be able to finish because we, we ran out of money um you know i probably i'm gonna say by the time we're done with this i probably dumped 25 grand into the movie myself over three years yeah over three years so it's not not horrible but like it hurts and there's times oh, yeah. where you're just like oh well like you, can like we you, get this across the finish line yeah. you know fires ice storms and like you we had our, so our makeup artist is amazing christina cordham but her, she does legit stuff and so she might get locked out for three months on a show okay so now we have to pause on any pamela Voorhees stuff for three months and then the one time where we have a weekend where it's going to line up where our actress is there christine is available there's fires so bad you can't breathe outside and you have to make the call and say it's not safe sorry can't do it yeah. and then you have your people who are supporting it on indiegogo and the fans that are like where's the movie when's it coming out and you're like i don't know and i don't know when it's going to come out and i don't know when you're going to get your blu-ray we are working on it and i'm so sorry and like that's the other cool do, thing is you guys did blu-ray for it that's yeah wow yeah and so that's almost wrapped up. Basically, the menus, the whole thing's being built right now. Um, well, didn't it, wasn't there something along the lines of like you, the technology to make this the the lists, the menu at the beginning and selectable and go to scenes isn't available anymore. Uh, basically, so um, you have to go pay people. You can't really do it yourself anymore because nobody does it for the most part. So yeah. they got rid of it, and it cost. I'll just say we did not budget for this. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sticker shock where you know the company that quoted us to make this authoring for dvds and blu-rays was four grand and i'm like wow that's how much we thought we we're gonna pay for blu-rays and so it's like we don't have that money yeah managed to get another place to quote so we dropped it down to like a little bit under three thousand um so i, I you know two days ago i sent somebody fourteen hundred dollar deposit to like get started on this oh you weren't able to end up doing it yourselves no 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 uh, that's yeah because i feel like within three days i'd probably be able to figure out how to yeah. do it myself if yeah. i had the software but yeah. it's just it's too crazy right. uh, you can't get it essentially yeah. um and yeah so now hopefully that's that should be done next week and then they're going to go off to production but you know i'm probably going to drop like four thousand dollars myself out of pocket to get these and then we have to pay for shipping oh. so fuck man uh oh, no. yeah you know at the beginning when i said it's worse than the boat man it's way worse than a boat yeah but you know i'm like it's okay what I, was t- I was t- what I was telling my little brother because he helped a shit ton on the movie i was like how many people are gonna, gonna be able to say during, they made a movie during the pandemic and like look back right. and be like i fucking did this right. and you get the blu-rays plus all the other cool shit from it like yeah it, it's an accomplishment and we earned it like everyone on that team worked so fucking hard for so long i mean nobody signed up for three-year project and the actors gave it their all um everybody on the crew gave it their all you know we you know, it was, it's sad now that we don't, I, I used to see people monthly on this and now yeah. we don't see them. And so I, yeah. I feel like I'm still kind of coming out of a funk. And I also, uh, I also broke myself f- getting this across the finish line. I haven't talked about it much, but you know, the last like three weeks were 18 hour days or longer. And I was waking up with panic attacks like multiple times in the night covered in sweat because oh, everything fuck. was on me between the VFX, the color. And, and I say that and like, that's how it felt. It Gabe's doing the audio piece and he had the crazy deadlines too. James had a shit ton of pressure on him for others. I mean, it was fucking ballistic and it, and we managed to get across the finish line, but it was like, every time I look at my list of shit to do, it's growing. It's not shrinking. You know, I yeah. I checked between things off. We added 30 more. I'm like, right. Oh my fucking God. I, mean, I remember one day I was at my desk and I'm working, I'm working. And all of a sudden I felt like my brain went boom and I like fell on my seat 
for a second. I was like, holy fuck. And so I look it up and it's like, oh yeah, like anxiety or panic. Like, yeah. wow. Like this is crazy. Holy shit, Carl. But I couldn't chill. There's no time to chill because you had to get this done. You said yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh my fucking God. And what happened was we had booked a date and we had booked time at the Hollywood theater. And then we had to delay the last chunk of filming because um, it, it, you're trying to coordinate like 30 people or whatever for that last little bit. And so it was just so we filmed that last bit so fucking late and you always think that you're further ahead than you are. Mm-hmm. And then once you start diving into it, like to try to wrap it up, you're like, Oh, we're not close to wrapping this yeah. up. Yeah. And you know, and, and I'm so happy how everything ended up, but man. And then I thought we could get, so I was like, okay, once we get past that finish line oh, of breathing room, what happened was, I put all the music videos I'd filmed before the movie on hold. And we had, I talked to people and was like, you know, we have to um, pause for like two months to get this thing across the finish line. And everybody was so cool. And they said, yeah, sure. No big deal. And then, you know, get the movie across the finish line. The final export came out at four o'clock in the morning, the day that the movie was getting released. That's how close to the wire it was. And, um, <sighs> How long did that it take to process? Uh, like, you know, each is... export was probably like two hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, when it, if it fails halfway through, you're like, oh, my God. So it, it was it was rough. And then the movie comes out. We had the premiere we were dealing with. And my wife, my friend Sarah helped like crazy, and which is so nice. And I didn't have to do a whole lot there. But, uh, you know, it, it comes out. And then you have to push it. And then you're doing press. And, you know, like... James, it's family stuff. So I felt like it was me pushing it more and like me doing yeah. a lot of the stuff. And I had this whole, like, I'm going to email these places and get pressed for it. And I executed on all of that, but there was no chill time afterwards. There's no. no, like, there's no rest. And I still wasn't sleeping. I was still having fucking panic attacks. Like it was bad. And it, I would say it took until the tour before I felt like I was starting to become a little bit more normal, but I also kind of broke my brain trying to respond to everything on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. <sighs> and so I just got in this habit or just checking my phone constantly because it was just tr- like, just nonstop. I bet your screen time was insane. I don't, I don't look at it because I don't want to see it. <laughs> you just, <laughs> just don't want to look. But, you know, I, I respond to every comment on YouTube. Everyone? Every single fucking comment. Unless they're a complete shithead. Like, there's this one dude just post nonsensical stuff and I'm like, yeah, you get deleted. That's it. But, yeah, it was fucking crazy. Fuck every comment. Well, okay, because I, I just looked up now because I wanted to see. I hadn't checked in a few days. You guys are at 578,000 views on YouTube. Yep. That is fucking bonkers, dude. Yeah. It, it did gangbusters. Um, you know, we got a decent amount of press because Adrian King was in it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it, like, you know, I wrote, I wrote articles for No Film School and I got them published. That was a stretch goal. I saw that, yeah. Uh, super fucking cool. The PR guy for Black Magic reached out and I talked to him. And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, thanks for doing this. You know, if you, if you need cameras, reach out to us in the future and we'll send you stuff. And I'm like, wow, I never thought that was going to happen. Dude, it's small waves, man. <laughs> the uh, uh, Rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, it was it was crazy, but I you know now I have like finished those initial music videos, but I got burned out. Like it was hard. It's hard to sit down on the computer. It's hard to do something, and I feel like I'm I'm still coming out of that. Um, I got a working on a music video from last week, and I'm like, okay, this is this is fun again, which is good. So I'm like, oh, I'm feeling feeling pretty good. I only have five minutes to work with. <laughs> not, not a, you know, an hour long video. Yeah. So, oh man, but you know. I have like seven music videos I think that are done that are coming out um, wow. that were socked up before the movie and now they're they're done and we're just waiting for the bands to release them. So it'll look like, you know, everything's going to come out all at once, which I feel like is how it goes. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was, you know, over a year of work on a lot of that stuff. Um, 
because you had to pause for so long on some man. Of well, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you feel like you're coming out of the funk. It's always, uh, one of those unfortunate side effects that I think creators do to themselves is, um, we, we find ourselves embodying, um, embodying the music or, or the, the art so much, um, that I think we, we identify with the product instead of recognizing we are not that pro like we are separate from the product yeah. and our, you know, we, we <laughs> you, pu we punish ourselves, man. We, wh whether it it's, we're punishing ourselves to do good, to, to f do the product well, or punishing ourselves because it didn't meet some expectation. And are are you are you a hard critic on yourself? Oh, I mean, oh, completely. I mean, because you, every, everything you do from an outside perspective is great work. I and mean, I, it's, and I hate it all. No, I'm not like that. But I, I tear it apart. But I also don't beat myself up over it because you, not, you never have enough time. You never have enough money. And so I, I dissect everything I do. Well, well what I was going to ask is, is where do you play in your mind with that line between realizing, yeah, if we had more, it could have been better, but this is the product. This is what it is. And acceptance, you know, yeah. so, music, music videos are pretty easy because they're just such a short thing, like little yeah. mini projects every time. Uh, well, well maybe maybe brought it out past film to even a song. Yeah, so I I still have urges to go back and like look at a couple old songs where I'm like, fuck, it'd be really nice to remix that or like change this part slightly because we yeah. didn't quite nail it how I wanted and I have a better idea on how to do it now. But I'm also okay with putting stuff out there. I have like, uh, do you know? Um, uh, oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. So. Uh, you know, he's an amazingly talented. He's singer. he's been on here a couple times, so you can oh, totally talk oh, cool. about. Him. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he doesn't put stuff out very often. I he, know. He's getting better, which is great. But he's, I'm like, dude, you're so fucking talented. What I'm gonna say right now, uh, we're talking about Sebastian, bro. We love you. Etched in bone is fucking phenomenal. Put stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Put stuff out. Don't overthink it. Um, you know, and and then you see other people who like they'll take photos of the concert and they post three thousand photos. I'm like, no, you should probably edit that to the best five. Yeah. That's so yeah. those are the two ends of the spectrum. Right. And so if you're somewhere in the middle, I think you're doing it pretty good. You know, um, there's a quote, somebody, I don't know who said it, but it was like, you know, art's never completed. It's just abandoned. And you know, I think you got to get it to a point where it's good enough. And if mm -hmm. you, if you can tweak on it for another two days and you can raise it from a B to an A great tweak on it for two more days. But if you're just going from an A to an A or an A to maybe an A plus, or it's yeah. just different, that's when it's time to put it out. Right. And you know, the movie is hard because of the deadlines. I wish I had a little bit more time on like some of the VFX or some of this, whatever. But then I watch breach with Bruce Willis and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Our movie's gold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're fine. We're, well, we're, we're good. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I've seen a hundred, I've I, maybe not a hundred million dollar movie, but I've seen some, fucking horrendously it, it, a, a movie should never come off of a 50 million dollar set and you see a boom mic in the fucking edit yeah like that should never fucking happen yep. so uh yeah pat yourselves on the backs yeah you like, know and and I, I, I the other thing is i honestly feel really good about it too and like you know i'm yeah i'm sure you know there's um the most people have been like overwhelmingly positive uh, about it and um you know there's things you can nitpick and i i will tell you all the flaws because i fucking see them and it's okay yeah. Yeah, and i'm it's, okay with it like i don't that doesn't that never bugs me um because uh, you just you have to get things done at a certain point and, yeah. and they don't distract from the story it's fine 
maybe there's also a little bit of a, of a, your I think some people at the beginning or outside of the world are sold a bill of false goods that things are perfect and yeah. the people creating them feel that way about them yeah you know I've there there are a few movies out there that I go this movie is kind of perfect for me as as a consumer yeah it is the movie I like to watch yep the person making that movie did not feel that about that movie. Oh, completely. The, the yeah. people editing the scenes, doing the the script right, none of them were like, this is perfect. But it's it's in the eye of the consumer, the beholder, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, so like, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Like, I've been... I've been trying to. I, won't, I don't want to say I've been trying to be prolific, but I've been trying to get shit out and trying to get things done. And you don't get those done if you just sit on the same thing for two years. Yeah. Like I have uh, some friends um, that you know, dude is mixing a song for a year. I'm like, how do you do that? Like, you know, he's got his home, he's got his band, he's he recorded it, and you know, I'm like, put it out, put it the fuck out. Like, there's one thing if you're not working on it, but like, I think he was pulling up and just like tweaking on like small snare settings, and yeah. I'm like, it sounds good enough. Put it out. It's fine. Yeah. It's not just yeah. fine. It's actually kick ass. Yeah. Put it, put yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you can move on and then you can work on the next thing. Like you don't learn from spending a year on something and never getting it out. Like right. you just have to put it out. I mean, it's the only way to do it. Like, I don't know. So, uh, and I, you know, I, I feel like it's nice if you have a good team too, like let's say on the audio stuff with like Gabe, um, you know, having him be able to help and help get those things to a really good mixing point uh, where you're like, fuck this mix is killer. I'm happy. Let's get it out. That helps. Yeah. Uh, having been in your band or any of the, you know, the Vinnersy people or you know, on the film side, it's like Freddie, Josh, Matt, you know, James, like having, having a good team surrounding you really helps. It is harder if you're the only person doing it because Fuck you don't yeah. have the other voice that's like, Hey, good enough. Or, you know, or whatever. the voices that maybe you do have are hands off voices that are just there for words of encouragement. And I, it's easy sometimes when you're in the throes of, creativity and feeling all that pressure on yourself to like kind of resent the, the the words of encouragement so so true you know that it's like you're not in this yeah like i understand you're, you're saying like it's it's like <laughs> i mean i mean it's it's like a, a non-swimmer like telling michael phelps hey man you did really good on that last fucking 100 meter swim yeah. Yeah. you know like like maybe maybe Watch your entry angle on your hands as yeah. you're swimming there, Michael Shut Phelps. The fuck up, yeah. idiot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so funny. Um, my thankfully, my wife and my brother are two people who I can count on for like honest feedback. Uh, they will my, say my brother, that Sean. sucks. Yeah, or they'll be like, you know, my wife will be like, "There's a weird hair on this guy's back. You should pull it out because it's distracting." I'm like, "Fuck, she's right." And then I can go pull the hair out digitally and fix it, and then it's gone. And that that ha- this happened. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And my brother's the first person to be like, "That music video looks like a bad PowerPoint slide. You just threw everything <laughs> in the kitchen sink in it." I'm like, yeah. you're right. I'm gonna put it out like this too. <laughs> but you know, that's that's kind of how those things go sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice to get that that like unfiltered response where True. you're like, "Cool, they're not just sugarcoating it." Because like I send videos to bands and when we're working on music videos, and I I love good feedback. So like if somebody you know you don't have to get crazy detail if you don't want, but like. Some bands have been, it's perfect. I'm like, no, no, no. This is draft one. We're going to go through. And then they're like, okay. And they're happy every every edit. And then I'm just, I use myself for the barometer of when it's done. And then um, other bands are like, send back a page of 15, 
15 pages of notes or something and you're like cool if they're good yeah, you know i saw yeah. people i'm like hey i don't care like as long as you're not like fuck you you're an ugly cocksucker i'd be like eh, probably true but you know don't be an asshole <laughs> Uh, but you know, if it's like, hey, at 15 seconds in, I don't like this shot because you know the guitar player didn't jump at the same time. Great, that's the stuff you can just kind of rip through on the list. And mm-hmm. half the time, I've spotted it, but I just haven't fixed it yet. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what, do you, do you film? I want to ask a completely. It's 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 on a tangent to that, but yep. it just brought my head into my head. Um, do, do, do you have a kind of like? Do you like doing more artistically stuff? Do you like doing band playthrough videos? Do you have a preference? That, that that you feel you do the best work in as far as filming music videos for bands like I, my my fa- I think my favorite stuff to do is like high energy performance like, so like the songs and the band performance are like just they're giving it their all yeah. and they're moving around in a good way that fits the vibe of the song and you know hopefully the camera is matching that energy and that vibe too <clears throat> well I noticed you had a, you have a, a good rhythm of, of keeping that a little bit of action on the camera yeah and so it was interesting this last weekend we filmed a video for this band Ember Throne and they, they're fucking good and M- Monty is like he was funny because he's like I don't want shaky cam I don't want this I'm like oh god damn it that's my style so so we uh <laughs> we had to change it up and using a Ronin. So electronic stabilizer for one camera. And then I was on the handheld rig, but I wasn't doing my normal stuff. It was like steadier and like more, yeah. more like tilting and panning type stuff versus like crazy camera. I'm running mm-hmm. up on the drummer, running back. And so it was an interesting challenge to, <coughs> you know, switch it up a little. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. But, but I think my, my favorite videos are like really, really cool band footage mixed with like a little bit of story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sometimes the problem I have on the stories is you try to go too far and then you just get bogged down trying to get the story. And, you know, right. sometimes, yeah, I, there's a certain point where you're like, eh, you just got to get it out too. Like, yeah. yeah. Nice to have cool ideas. Like, there's a ligature marks one that, God, you know, we, we started filming it. We got the band footage done and now we have to finish the story stuff. But I think I shot too high. And so, so now it's like, I'm just kind of stuck. Also, I was super busy. So I'm finally at the point where I'm like, okay, I can get attention back on this. And, and get this moving again but like you know had we gone for a really simple idea it would have been done by now sure yeah sure so it's yeah i i get i I get that that's kind of uh you know what what we're dealing with right now with one of our music videos is is we we went really intensive on story uh no band members in it it's just all story and you know you're dealing with a bunch of people in it and uh it's now at a point like like yeah okay maybe it would have been done earlier but also you kind of do want to play that game where I want to see what it can be with the idea like this and and, and it's the learning thing that yeah. that maybe you spend all this time you wait and wait and then it, if you're not that happy with it okay you know what not to do next time yeah yeah you know? totally don't be afraid to fail because you yeah. know you always have another shot and like like I was talking about earlier like if you end up really not liking it go film something else film for the a same new thing. music video doesn't for matter. the same video yeah, yeah. I mean it, it, there's no rules anymore like yeah. do do whatever feels like it makes sense be Mudvayne yeah film two videos for your best song on the album because the <laughs> yeah. first one sucked <laughs> yeah yeah well, and, and not falling is a really good song yeah man. um Okay, that's cool. Well, hey, we're we're getting near two hours. Let's oh, cool. let's wrap up here. Sweet. I know it goes by super fast. I have questions for you. Oh. These are. Uh, oh, why are you pulling that out? So I met Vinnersy while filming a music video for him, and they were like the first band that was super professional on promoting, and we became really good friends trying to work on promoting it. And then they asked me to join, and they showed me a, a demo version of Illuminated, and I was like, "Fuck, that's a good song." So I said, "Yeah, that's beautiful." Okay. Uh, Pick one of those three. You're the boss, the tumor, or underground dream house. Oh, got to choose the tumor. All right. So here's a good question. <laughs> it's not for the tumor. You have a brain tumor. 
Though there is no discomfort at the moment, this tumor will unquestionably kill you in six months. However, your life can and will be saved by an operation. The only downside is that there will be a brutal incision on your frontal lobe. After the surgery, you will be significantly less intelligent. You will, you will still be a fully functioning adult, but you will be less logical and have terrible memory. You'll have a little bit ability to understand complex concepts and do difficult ideas. The surgery is in two weeks. How do you spend your next 14 days? Holy fuck. Wow, that went that went interesting fast. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because on one hand, I'm like, I have fucking done everything that I I wanted to do. And not to say there's no goals or anything, but like, right. you know, it's not like I'd probably do like a huge left turn. If it was really just two weeks, I'd probably quit the job and or find a way to like back out for take vacation or something. And then uh, they'd be spending time with the wife and dogs for sure. Well, the thing is, would you, would you, they say six months, would you even take the surgery? Oh, I don't know. That's so weird. It's funny because, like, you know, I have friends that are very existential, and I'm sure they've thought about stuff like that. I'm, I'm like, I live in the present and a little bit forward, and uh, occasionally a little bit further out. Well, you've said a couple times now. I don't even think about the past anymore. Yeah, like, no, I, I, it's, it's weird. I, I know people who, like, I would say, dwell on the past too much, and I'm definitely not one well, of them. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> I, I, I think I like, I like remembering the past. Um, things things that went wrong wrong that i feel like are applicable in lessons for future development yeah, are, totally. are things to keep around you know i don't want to discount all of it yeah. but god damn i keep doing that i don't know what's wrong with me today um but but at the same time i do i agree i also have those friends who like Without saying it, they go, oh, yeah, high school is my best years. I was just going to say that. They peaked in high school and never moved on. Or, or like they, th like maybe they didn't peak. Maybe they still are achieving, but they don't see now as the best. They yeah. think that yep. it was, you know, yep. and and uh, pining for that kind of experience still, yeah. you know, it, leave so much to not, to miss today. I mean, I couldn't imagine standing on the Great Wall of China or or in the Colosseum and going, God, high school was cooler. <laughs> <laughs> like like you know what I mean? Or Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, so so what would you do? Would you being go existential for a second, I, get I outside think, your norm? I think norm. I would go see the pyramids in Egypt. I think that would be like I want to go to Iceland a lot and I really want to go see the pyramids. And then you would have the surgery. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be weird because I I do IT work for a living and you have to be able to do complex thoughts and so like that would crimp everything. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I just try to eke it out until the last minute. Six months and then hey, I live the best six. Or, yeah, yeah, it's so yeah. weird. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I I definitely like I. I don't know if I'm horribly present because I feel like I live slightly in the future, if that makes sense, where I'm like oh, always yeah. planning for yeah, that next yeah, thing. And I think yeah. it's just a habit I developed from doing so many projects. Like yeah. I like to have a lot of irons in the fire. So if something slows down, you can just grab the next one. Yeah. And yeah. so the way I work, you know, it's I just whatever's hot, you're kind of focused on that, but I'm always building the other things too. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, one band might get one more attention one month, but the other things I'm always thinking about it, yeah. always kind of working on stuff. And that way, you know, when you get a chance to go back, and shift that light to the other stuff you're able to just rip through it more or or you're just constantly plugging away at it so like right you know my wife goes to bed and i'm in the office and i'm writing riffs or you know i'm working on that music video and um you just not watching a lot of tv and not doing um i don't know 
not to say that TV's horribly bad or anything, but you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I'm getting shit done every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would also tell, I would also say, describe myself as incredibly lazy too. So I don't know how I drive those, but, um, maybe lazy with like huge chunks of output of work, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I try not to waste too much time. Mm. So, so, so diligent in execution, but, uh, lazy in, uh, I don't want to do it, but I still do it. Uh, it's, it, oh, <laughs> no, I uh, so, okay. I, I get you. I get you. It's more of like a, it's more of like a twist my arm a little bit and then I will, but you, yeah, you need, almost need an arm twist. I, it's funny. Cause I, what happened is I, I told, I described myself as lazy and one of my friends was like, no, no, you can't say that. You're not allowed to. And I was yeah. like, but I, I know I'm lazy. Like I would, sometimes it's nice to sit down and play apex for a second. Yeah. I mean, I sit here and I'll be in the middle of stuff and I'll just turn on halo and start fucking playing halo for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, but, it's a nice I don't. I don't think that. It's funny. It's funny. We all have internal models of what words mean to us. Yeah. Um, to me, lazy is someone who won't do the work. They would. They would come in and go, "Okay, I need work to do." But before I can focus on this work, I have to play video games first yeah. to calm down. And then you end up only playing video games and never actually getting the work. That's lazy. I. Th- I think that taking the break from the work to do the relaxation is actually professional. Like, like that's healthy maybe you're wrecking i don't know yeah i don't know to me it's not lazy yeah but there's definitely some times where i'm like okay that was three days where i really didn't do what i needed uh, to get done yeah yeah but you know over a span of a month i can look back and be like okay i did a lot I did of a shit lot. yeah and i feel good about it so yeah you can probably calculate hours take out the hours for sleep and if you're over 60 percent work versus not you're probably not lazy yeah yeah but, you know, everybody has a different well, internal version of themselves. Well, in and you're self-critical. You know, you yeah. just got done saying that you're probably your worst critic. So yeah. you're going to think about that about your application of time as well, man. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, thank you so much for being here, dude. Thanks so much for having me out. This was a wonderful experience. You guys go out, check out Vintercy, check out Ligature Marks. Go watch Jason Rising if you haven't watched it. No. If you have watched it, watch it again. Yeah, watch it again. Watch you, it three more times. If, share, you have, share if you have three TVs in your house, turn it on in all three TVs and let it play all the way through. Go go check your mail. Go out to lunch and just play that fucking movie, you guys, because uh, we want to see a million damn views on Jason Rising, right? Well, the goal is a million within a year. We'll see if that's doable. I think it is. I think it is, too. I think it is. I think you guys are going to crush it. Um, all right. And as for me, I'm Aaron. Drive like you know each other. <laughs>